Friday, December the 29th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas and you've had a nice holiday season as we get closer to the new year. We have a loaded episode here where we're going to get into NFL Week 17. You know, With the holidays and everything, the schedule's been a little off for everyone, so it'll just be me going through the NFL game previews. Uh, I'll go through them pretty quickly for NFL Week 17. But then remember, on Sunday morning, me and Eric will be together to preview all of the NFL Week 17 games for Sunday at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. If you follow on Twitter, it's me, Gino B. We'll also get into some Saturday racing for you. Barry Spears joins me to preview the Gulfstream Park Saturday Stakes. There are five of them. It's a really good card of racing at Gulfstream Park. So we discuss race 5 and then races 8 through 11 on a fun little back and forth preview with Barry. Then I'll get into Santa Anita for Saturday. I'll go through the card and share some thoughts on a lot of the the card. Uh, Most races I have at least a a small opinion on. Then we finish up with this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. We have some really fun wrestling shows coming up over the next week, week and a half. First up, it's AEW World's End this weekend. We preview that show. Then on Monday Night Raw, it's their New Year's show where they've got four matches carded already. We preview that one. Then we preview NXT New Year's Evil. Then we preview Friday Night Smackdown for next week and their big New Year's show. So everything that's coming up in the next week for pro wrestling with WWE, NXT, AEW, Chad Cooper and I discuss it on this episode of That's What G Said. That is presented by full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Make sure to get to the website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com, CindyCarava.com. She can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. Anything you need in the world of real estate, Cindy's going to take care of that for you. She's just going to make your life so much easier. That's what she wants to do. She just wants to make things easier for you. Take that stress off of uh, all the uh, all the, the chaos that is moving, that is relocating. CindyCarava.com We are into NFL Week 17. We have two weeks left. We already had a Thursday night football game where we saw the Joe Flacco phenomenon just continue. Uh, and the Browns now clinch a playoff spot. So they beat the Jets, the Browns are in, and the Browns have opportunities to even move up now with the Ravens still having two games to play, and a lot of things can happen in the AFC now with the Browns continuing to win. It's just been incredible to see Joe Flacco doing this, and the vibe of everyone getting excited for old Joe Flacco coming off the couch and playing this well compared to what it would have been like if it was maybe Deshaun Watson— it's just like night and day. So the Browns are in the playoffs. First big news of week 17, the Browns are in. Let's move to the Saturday games where we have uh, just one Saturday game this week, and it's going to be the Lions at the Cowboys. And in this game, the Cowboys are about a five-and-a-half-point favorite here. This line has moved down from six. I locked it in at six because um, I'm on the Lions side. In here, it just feels like it's a really nice matchup for the Lions. Remember, Dallas last week they drive down on the opening drive. Tony Pollard does not make the right decision when he's on the one yard line. He could run right at the pylon, get a touchdown. Instead, he doesn't. Then on the next play, the Cowboys fumble the ball. Miami goes down and scores, and that ends up being the difference in the game. The Cowboys come back to take the lead. 
don't let Miami uh, aren't able to hold Miami out of a field goal late in the game. But that if you bet that game and you play Dallas, you knew ju- right after that you were done. Coming back to this game against the Lions, though, you've got a banged up Cowboys offensive line. You've got a team that can't stop the run with undersized linebackers. You've got Dak, who got knocked down eight of 10 third downs last week. No Smith on that offensive line killed him. He's been practicing, but how healthy will he be? The Lions have now clinched the division. They could get the number one seed. The Lions are sitting atop of the NFC right now. They're in a three-way tie at 11-4 and four with the 49ers and the Eagles. They need a little bit of help, but they could win this thing. They could actually get a number one seed and a bye. If they win this game, 49ers lose one of their games and the Eagles lose one. So I think this number is just too big. I feel like this should be like three and a half, four at max. The Lions have the offensive line to help eliminate some of the pressure from Dallas. I think down the field, Jamison Williams, this could be a big game for him. And you just look at how the Lions are well-balanced. When that offensive line is intact, they are really good on the offensive side. They can beat you in different ways. And they're not a bad road team. It's more of an outdoors thing for them in cold weather with golf. Well, they're not going to have to worry about that issue with the Cowboys here. I like the Lions. Anything over like five and over, I'm still okay with it here. Even even four and a half and over. Like this feels to me like this should be around three and a half, four. Uh, I like the Lions. I'm even going to sprinkle a little money line on the Lions straight up. I'm looking at DRF Sportsbook right now, and it's plus two hundred for that one. So um, that's the first uh, and the only Saturday game this week. We move to the Cardinals and the Eagles. Eagles are 11 and a half point favored in this game. They're tied atop the NFC. Uh, they just need to continue to win to clinch their division. Uh, they need to continue to win to hopefully get a number one spot and maybe a bye. I just don't know what type of effort we're going to get from a few teams this week. And the Cardinals are one of them. They're one and seven on the road. They were down 21, nothing against the bears. They cut it to eight. I didn't feel like they were going to win that game. Kyler did not practice on Thursday. He was sick. And with the Eagles, you're definitely not laying this number. They have not looked dominant all year. They've played a tough schedule. Stay away game for me. The Eagles obviously have so much more to play for. And for the Cardinals, they're just trying to figure out their future and if Kyler's going to be their future moving forward. Up next, let's go to the Falcons at the Bears. You know, you got a Falcons team that comes off playing one of their better games last week. And it's it's frustrating if you were someone who backed the Falcons or if you're a fan of the Falcons this year and you really look at their schedule and you look at week to week what they've done and what they could have done. This is not hyperbole. They weren't going to beat the Lions in week three. They probably weren't going to beat Jacksonville in week four in London. Other than that, they should have won every other game. It's not like a could have won. Here are their other losses. They lost to Washington in a game they dominated. They lost at Tennessee again in a game they dominated. They lost to Minnesota by three. These games are all one-score losses. They lost by two at Arizona. They lost by four to Tampa. They lost 9-7 to Carolina. All of those games, they had the better team, the better roster, and they had every opportunity to win those games. This could legitimately be a two- or three-loss team. They put it all together against Indianapolis, but look at the Bears. The Bears are playing really good right now. This is a a number that's key. For me, at three or over, I would probably lean Falcons if this was Bears minus three and a half. At two and a half, I actually think the Bears are kind of interesting. 
So they're four and three at home this year. They're four and two overall in their last six games. And here are their two losses. They lost to the Lions in that game when they had a huge lead and they blew the game late. And then they lost by three at Cleveland. Both playoff teams, both teams that are really good right now. The Bears could be six and zero in their last six games. They're stopping the run. They're one of the best run defending teams in the league. Now they're putting pressure on the quarterback. Fields ran for 97 yards last week. He's graded quarterback 16 on the year. All we wanted from Fields was to see improvement, development, and just not be the reason why you lose. And now they've been able to build around with some pieces here and there. This team's playing a lot better right now. This is a key number. So just based on where you're looking, what you're getting, that's how I would determine if I was going to play this game or not. At two, two and a half, I'd lean on the Bears. If it got up to three and a half, I'd jump to the Falcons on a, a game that I could think I think could go either way, but the number would be key. Let's get to Panthers at the Jags. Not exactly sure what to do here because you, you don't really know the health of Trevor Lawrence. The number in this game right now, we're seeing the, uh, looking at DRF Sportsbook right now, the Jags are a five and a half point favorite over the Panthers over under 37 and a half here. Over the last two weeks, Bryce Young is graded quarterback number six by Pro Football Focus. Panthers scored 30 points last week. They hadn't hit 20 since week six. But for Lawrence, now a shoulder injury. He This is like his third different injury. They're trying to get him in the game because the Jags are still in the number four spot and they're in a three-way tie in the AFC for the division. They can't afford to lose games, especially against a bad team like this. I'm staying away from this game. This one, no real strong opinion. The Rams are a five and a half point favorite on the road at the Giants. Tyrod Taylor's playing in this game. Over under is 43 and a half. The Rams this year with Stafford, Cooper Cup, Pukunakua, and Kyron Williams in the lineup. When those four players are healthy, the Rams are number one in the league in EPA per play. This game does feel a little trappy for a Rams team that's been playing very well as of late. They got a big game with San Francisco in their final game of the year that they, they, you, they're probably, you don't want to say looking ahead when you're a team like this who's battling for a playoff spot. But since the bye, the Rams have one loss, and that was at Baltimore in overtime in a game they absolutely could have won. And they finish here with the, uh, the Giants and at San Francisco. I just, same thing, the Giants are another one of those teams where I don't know exactly what to expect from from them, but Tyrod has been very good this year. He just doesn't turn the ball over a lot. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Stafford has been awesome. This is the lowest turnover-worthy play rate of his career. He has the lowest turnover-worthy play rate in the league this year and the highest big-time throw percentage. He's graded quarterback number four overall on the year. And Aaron Donald, he still has 16 more pressures than any player in the league this year, even being double teamed as much as he is. I, I'm i not laying it with the Rams, just not not getting there with the Giants on the, uh, on the home dog side. Let's get to the Colts. Their wide receivers are a little banged up, and they are uh, three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game against the Raiders. I'm just concerned about some of the injuries they've been dealing with. I feel like the Colts have been playing a little over their head through a lot of the year with Minshew. The offensive line struggled last week. Uh, they don't have as many playmakers out there. They've got backs that have been banged up all year, receivers that have been banged up now. 
do think Pittman is on track to play this week. We'll have more information on some of the injuries here. I locked in the Raiders plus the three and a half. You know, the Raiders right now have the best defense in DVOA over the last six weeks. They're number one. They're allowing 15.3 points per game in seven games under Pierce. They actually won a game when they didn't complete a pass since the first quarter and they beat the Chiefs. They're still alive for a playoff spot. The Raiders. And they're uh, they're getting three and a half here on the road. I think they can keep this game close, and I think they can actually win this game straight up. I would sprinkle a little money on the Raiders, plus the 150 here on the money line, and plus the three and a half. We go to the Dolphins at the Ravens. These two teams battling for that number one spot in the AFC. So the Dolphins, they win this game. They win next week. They're the number one seed in the AFC. Um, they lose this game. They lose next week to the Bills. They're going to have to go on the road, and they won't even win their division if the Bills win their final two. So a lot can happen for Miami here. They are a three and a half point underdog on the road. Ravens are a three and a half point favorite at home. Both these teams come off of big wins. Ravens beat the 49ers. Everyone saw it, talked about how they're dominant. They scored, I believe, on six straight possessions. But And so you may want to fade Baltimore because it feels like a spot to fade them off of the big win. But keep in mind, they've done this all year. They've beaten good teams by a lot. They are always leading. They could be undefeated. So this is not something new for them. It's not like they've been a team that's been a high-low team all year. They've blown a couple big leads late in games, but that's going to happen when you're always up. You're going to spit a couple of them out. The Dolphins, they moved the ball well. They couldn't get it into the end zone. And they were the beneficiary of that really big kind of swing play in the first quarter when Dallas should have taken a lead on them early and instead they end up getting the ball and going back and and able to take a lead after Dallas got nothing off a long drive so I I wanted to fade both of these teams this week based on their last week games so I'm I'm just going to stay away from it because overall I think Baltimore is a much better team I'm, I'm concerned about Miami I still think they they're a little overvalued I love their coach, but overall, I think their team is a little overvalued. So stay away game for me and what's a really good game on paper and and a massive game for playoff implications for the Dolphins and the Ravens. Uh, Both of these teams, a lot can change for them in the next couple weeks. Same thing for the Ravens. I mean, things they're flying high right now, but they lose this game and next week and the Browns continue to win. They're in some trouble. Let's get to... The Patriots at the Bills, just a massive line here where the Bills is a 14-point favorite in this game in just a, a total of 40 and a half. So the Bills, they had two fumbles from James Cook. The second one led to a Chargers go-ahead field goal in the fourth quarter. They got very, very lucky to stay alive, and they have a chance at the division. They win, and the Ravens beat Miami, and they're playing for the division. The Patriots, they'd love to be a little spoiler here. And even where they've struggled all year offensively, their defense has been number 11 in DVOA. They're actually better with Zappi, but they're only averaging 16 points per game. I'm not laying 14 with Buffalo. If you're on a side here, if this is 14 or over, I'm fine taking Patriots even ripe for a backdoor cover because if Buffalo gets up early in this game, they're not going to try to win this game by 21. They need everything for next week for a chance at the division if Miami loses. We get to the Saints and the Bucks. The Saints 
are still playing to try to get in the playoffs here, but the Bucks control their own destiny. This Saints team, I just can't figure out all year, what are they good at? They're number 18 in DVOA, so they're a below-average team. They're number 20 in offense. They're number 17 in defense. Here are their wins this year. Week one, they beat the Titans by one in a game they should not have been victorious where Tannehill was awful and missed a couple wide-open receivers. Tennessee should have won that game. They have two wins over Carolina, do the Saints this year. They beat the Patriots, the Giants, the Bears with Tyson Bagent, and at the Colts is their best win by far. In any other competitive team they've played, they've lost to. Green Bay, Tampa, Houston, Jacksonville, Minnesota, Atlanta, the Lions, and the Rams. Then you go to Tampa, and Baker's been really good. And he's only making $4 million this year. But he's graded quarterback number two over the last couple weeks. This team controls their own destiny. They win, they clinch. Keep in mind, they crushed New Orleans in week four. They beat him 26-9. to And this Tampa team is all the way up to number 12 in DVOA. At under a field goal, they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home here. I think it's a good spot for Tampa and uh, Baker Mayfield to try to clinch this division. We go to the 49ers trying to bounce back off of that uh, that tough loss for them. It's funny because I've been kind of picking on the 49ers all year long because I was just wanting one game to happen like what happened for them. The games that just generally happen for every team where things just all go wrong in that one game and everything sort of bounces against you and you you just sort of kind of write it all off. There were a couple fluky tips, but I do think there were also some things that got exposed. It felt like maybe a bunch of lucky bounces. Not The 49ers should not have lost any game so far this year that they've won. Let me say that. But in those games that they've won, they've looked more dominant. So I think that's sort of enhanced our view of them overall. What we saw is that they are not unbeatable. And in particular, they're a team that is really tough when they get up. But the stat that's been floating around, I'm sure everybody's seen, they are 0-37. On, uh, Shanahan, as a coach, is 0-37 with the 49ers when trailing by eight or more points at any time in the fourth quarter. So since Shanahan took over, they are the only team in football to never have come back from eight points down in the fourth quarter, which is crazy. With as much talent as they have, which is good as their offense and their defense has been and is well-balanced, they're just a team that plays a little tighter when they're down. And when they're up and they have everything going and every option available to them in the playbook, they're a really tough team to beat. Now... I mean, they ran out of offensive linemen in that game. Purdy got another stinger. He came out of the game. He could have gone back in, but that's something to monitor now because it's been a couple times this year that he's already had to come out with not concussions, but injuries that they were looking at. And this just feels like a game where they bounce back and they really pick on Washington, but they're a massive favorite on the road at Washington. Brissett was supposed to start, but now there are words this morning on Friday that we don't even know about Brissett. Washington is a 13.5 point home underdog in this game. This just feels like San Francisco comes bounces back and beats up on them, but there's no way I can lay this kind of a number on the road, especially if they have some injury issues and they, they do with the offensive line now and with Purdy. The Texans are a four-point favorite against the Titans. Levis is back. 
but they are just one in six on the road are the Titans. Stroud is back for the Texans. This These two teams played a couple weeks ago when Keenum was starting, and that was when the Texans held Henry to his worst game as a starter. They also held Hopkins to just 21 yards receiving that week. I think you can expect to see him get more involved in this game. I would lean towards some Hopkins props if you're looking at playing this game. Don't really like a side one way or the other that much. I would play Tennessee if I had to pick this game one way or the other, but not a real strong opinion here. Let's move to the Steelers at the Seahawks. You've got Pittsburgh coming off their Tomlin-esque win. They looked completely lifeless in a few games. Everybody wrote them off. They make the change to Mason Rudolph. They have a 92-yard drive and an 80-yard drive on their first two possessions. They get up 14-0, and then they can coast. They score another touchdown on their fourth possession. They only needed to go 14 yards after an interception. They're 8-7, and seven, trying to keep that Tomlin over 500 record streak going. And the one thing we looked at, and I was listening to the guys on Pro Football Focus talk about it, their secondary and their back seven has been depleted. They were bringing guys off rosters that hadn't played much this year, guys that were retired, and they actually played pretty well last week. Can those players sustain that level now when you got to go on the road here and play a Seahawks team that can move the ball through the air and does have some playmakers? Seattle's coming off of back-to-back 20-17 to wins that kept them alive. They had lost four in a row and then game-winning drives in their last two to keep their season alive. At over three, I'm playing Pittsburgh in here at plus three and a half. I think this is a tight game, so give me Pittsburgh at plus the three and a half here. Let's go Bengals at the Chiefs. Uh, The Chiefs are coming off of Patrick Mahomes' worst game as a passer. He was number 37 graded quarterback on the week. Keep in mind, there are only 32 teams, and some teams have other quarterbacks come in and take snaps. He was the worst quarterback of anyone that, that graded. Dead last, not close to Simeon's or Mullins. And if you take weeks 10 through 16, Mahomes is graded quarterback number 26. And this team is not playing well. Since week eight, they're three and five. They're two and four since the bye, but they're running into a Bengals team who has a bad defense. They're 30th in EPA per play allowed. Still a big number. It was, it's been around seven. Now it's down to six and a half. At seven, I would be on the Bengals. Six and a half and under seven, I'm kind of staying away because of that bad defense that the Bengals have. I could see the Chiefs' offense looking a little better here. But for the Bengals, Browning, his two worst games have been against Pittsburgh by far. Five turnover-worthy plays against Pittsburgh, three the first time they played, and then one turnover-worthy play in his other three and a half games combined. What version of him do you get in this type of a game? Stay away from me. No real strong opinion. Chargers at the Broncos. Broncos are a three and a half point favorite in this game. All the Russell Wilson drama. He's been benched. He's been playing like like an average to slightly below average quarterback this year. He's been playing better than he was last year. But with the amount of money that you pay him, you know, I can understand going away from him. There was some shady stuff happening, though, the way this all went down. Nonetheless, let's talk about this game from how it be playing out with Stidham as the starter. I think Sean Payton's going to try and prove a point without Russ. So what I'm going to play in this game is not Denver laying the three and a, uh, three and a half. I'm going to play the Denver Broncos team t- total in a low scoring game projected with their over under. Their over under is 20 and a half total points. So if we get the 21 with Denver, we win. 
the Denver team total. That's my play in here. Because the Chargers actually played a little bit better with the fired coach bump. They almost beat Buffalo. Their defense was much better. And they were doing what they were supposed to do, limiting the big plays. But I do think Denver's not going to be taking as many shots on big plays here as they will just taking what the defense is giving them. And um, I think Denver will move the ball. I think Peyton's going to try to show that he didn't want Russ and that Stidham was a guy they went and paid legitimate money for uh, to be a backup. So let's go Broncos team total over 20 and a half was the number I locked in. Final game of the week. Remember, no Monday night football this week because of the college football games. Um, they are not going to be running Monday night against them. So Sunday night football, Packers at the Vikings. This game is basically a pick here now. The Packers' defense has been miserable, which is a bummer because their offense and like their passing offense, I think, is all the way up to a top five passing offense in DVOA. But their defense has allowed five different quarterbacks this year to have their highest graded game of the year, including Bryce Young, DeVito, and Justin Fields. Jair Alexander is suspended, so they don't have anyone to defend Jefferson. But the Vikings are going to be starting Hall at quarterback now. So no idea what to trust there in a game that I have no clue and want nothing to do with as of right now. But we may have more props to play based on some of the uh, you know the ins and outs, some of the injury report. Make sure to join me and Eric on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern time for NFL Betting Blitz. You can follow me on Twitter. It's me, Gino B., or you can check that out on my YouTube if you subscribe to the YouTube page right there. We'll have uh, previews, up-to-date betting lines, and everything from DRF Sportsbook there. If you're in the state of Iowa, make sure to sign up for a DRF Sportsbook account. Use that promo code FAST300 and get you all the way up to a $300 deposit match bonus. Let's shift the focus and move from football to some horse racing. Let's dive into Saturday Gulfstream Park. We're going to get best bets, and we're going to talk all the way through the stakes races. So Barry Spears joins me, race five, and then we hit races eight, nine, 10, and 11 on the Saturday card at Gulfstream Park. Five stakes races on the card, Saturday, December the 30th at Gulfstream Park. We have the final weekend of 2023. Gino Bacola here alongside my good friend, Barry Spears, the sniper. Barry, we have uh, five stakes races to discuss, some fun ones, and uh, a really nice end to 2023 on the Saturday Gulfstream card this weekend. Uh, kind of the highlight of the weekend when you look around uh, of all the big races. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the 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 championship meet is is kind of ramping up. Usually, you know, the 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 races in December aren't as good because people are still kind of gravitating down there, shipping horses in and stuff like that. Um, but this is a good preview of what's going to happen after the new year. So um, these stake races, you know, there'll be a plenty every weekend. So it's it's definitely a a meet to concentrate on. Like always, we are going to dive into the past performances of the DRF past performances, daily racing form PPs. So head to 
shop.drf.com. They have everything you need for the Gulfstream Park Championship meet. They have the past performances there, the DRF picks. They'll also have the clocker reports every day for both Gulfstream and Santa Anita. So I'll have a video coming up uh, this weekend videos for Friday Santa Anita and some Saturday Santa Anita stuff. Barry and I will go over Santa Anita on some of their big racing days. We just took a look at Santa Anita's opening day a few days back. Hopefully we help lead you to a winner or two uh, here and there. So Barry, a lot of ground to cover and uh, some all access pass performances to dive into. We generally stick at the formulator style. What they mean by the all access PPs now that you can get at drf.com when you purchase them, you can just flip back and forth to any style that you want. You can go, if you're just someone who likes the regular form and, th- and the traditional style, that's what you're most familiar with. You can go classic. If you're someone who likes to look at them online and click and watch replays, click and look at uh, pedigree information, trainer statistics, uh, all of that good stuff, formulator is probably what you like. And then you can compare and contrast with Timeform US. We know the great crew over there. Uh, Craig Milkowski, David Aragona, they do such fantastic stuff. We trust their pace projectors, the way they see races shaping up, uh, really great commentary. So it's fun to get a look at the all-access PPs. You can con- compare and contrast as we dive into a fun Saturday card at Gulfstream Park. Barry, what's the weather like for you right now as we record on Thursday? What are you thinking it's going to be like? Um, I, I think the weather, at least uh, Friday it might be a little bit wet, washed out, um, but it's going to be cool. So it might dry out a little bit faster than normal. So I think we might be okay for Saturday. Okay. So the way the stakes races are placed on the card, we have the fifth race. It's the Rampart, $125,000 stakes. It's a one-turn mile for Phillies. Uh, these are Phillies and Mares, three-year-olds and up. So Barry, let's uh, start with this one. Then we'll get to races eight through 11, which is a late pick four of, of uh, really nice races there that are kind of combinations of grass, dirt, and even a good one on the synthetic, uh, a really fun handicap to get into there. Fifth race. Who are you looking at in this one? Like just kind of to set the scene a little bit unifying was sharp last we saw her, but she hasn't been on the track since back in June. Mary quite contrary is the class of the field and likely the horse to take the bulk of the action. She's a graded stakes winner. She's done that right here over this track. Just about a year ago at this point, she was getting really good. She won this race last year. Then she built on that and stepped into graded stakes company. And she's also grade one placed and she's, you know, look, look at who she's faced recently. Good night, olive and echo Zulu and some of the best, Philly and mayor sprinters that there were. So she's really, really nice. And then you have nostalgic who was kind of good early in her career. And she was a horse that I actually played in the Kentucky Oaks and she had a brutal trip and she wasn't going to win the race or anything, but she just had no shot. She kind of came back into form towards the end of last year. And we see this sometimes with these Phillies and mares as they get a little bit older, they can really start to just mature a bit. So uh, talk to us about how you see this race playing out. Yeah, this is an interesting race because the favorites I, I kind of don't like. The two horses that are, are the morning line, I agree. first and second choice. Um, I'll start with Mary Quite Contrary. I, I just don't think that this horse has, has made the leap to, to her four-year-old year. I mean, you look at last year, she was five for six winning with one second. This year, she's burned up money in spots that she probably just doesn't want to run and and i don't i don't see that trend 
uh, reversing anytime soon. I, I'd have to demand at least a, a decent race. I mean, I guess you could say the the one on October 7th, the Princess Rooney was a decent race, but you know, being a dead closer is just not the, the thing to be, especially at Gulfstream Park where being forwardly placed has always been the way on the main track. Same thing with Nostalgic. Um, we'll probably have to close into something, but it doesn't look like there's all that much speed in here. Um, Dreaming no. of Snows, 30 to 1 on the morning line, could get loose. And I don't think that horse is going to be 30 to 1 anyway. Um, she, she was the horse that at a big win, price when you were at Tampa, right? Kind of a, in that. She was in that Sun Coast. I think you were there that day, right? Uh, when she beat Wonder Wheel and Julia Shining, that was like her her big race that day. Yeah, it was kind of a. a I I, I want to say it was a fluke because Wonder Wheel, you know, just didn't get going until late. It was a comeback race for that horse, and we and saw she didn't really take the next step day. forward that year. Yeah, exactly. And and then Julia Shining, it, it just has to be ridden for a country mile for that horse to be even in the conversation. So, you know, that was kind of a strange race in itself. Um, that being said, I ended up on the four. That's the same one with me. Yep. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I just think that the, this trip, the mile one turn mile is, is probably this horse's best trip. Not to mention the fact that um, was probably, you know, in good in that race at Prairie Meadows in the Iowa Oaks. Um, but I, I just don't think the two turns suits her well. Um, she did run kind of against that. And then you eliminate the sloppy efforts at parks in the grade one, which she was clearly overmatched. And then the Vaha race at Charlestown, you know, Vaha is just a monster. So this kind of gets her back to the right level, in my opinion. Yep. And then, the you know, the last two works really kind of stand out to me. I think this one is, is sitting on go. I know Safi has another horse in the five that just looks overmatched here. And I, I just couldn't get to that one. Me neither. And I I'm with you. Exactly. Just you mapped it out beautifully. You eliminate the last two races. She faced tough company and they were on off tracks that those days. Now she's going to get back to a situation where she's got Zayas aboard who's been pretty aggressive with her. And that's the kind of trip we want in here. We want her sitting third. Like that's what we'd love to see. We'd love to see dreaming of snow go, maybe unifying go like a little fresh stretching out and she sit right behind them. Just like we've seen her with Zayas aboard a couple of yeah, times. Yeah, that would be get the her, perfect trip. Right? Like get her in the race just like that. And that's that's exactly what I'm seeing in here. I think just eliminate those last two races. Her form looks so much better. And she hasn't been off that long in here. Um, I like her in this spot quite a bit. We're both on the number four in Monra in this race. And I like how we did it with this race. Every race is different when you, when you handicap them. I mean, I always look at throughout the field and I'll go through each horse, but this was one of those like process of elimination races that we talk about where you start with the two favorites at short prices that you don't love right off the bat. You can eliminate them as horses that are really playable at their prices. Then, okay, let's go to who's next. Okay. Well, you mentioned the other safety horse looks a little overmatched. We can eliminate that one. Uh, we get to Dreaming of Snow, who actually fits kind of nicely at a big price you can use, but might be a little bit still overmatched. Now we get to Amonra, who could get the really nice trip in here, doesn't have quite as long of a layoff to deal with as Unifying, is a little more proven, I think, at this trip than Unifying. Boom, we're on Amonra at probably a nice price around 4-1. to one. Yeah, that seems like what it will be. Um, 
you know, the the horse that I would use if I was going to use a favorite, it would probably be Nostalgic over Mary Quite Contrary. I, I, I think, you know, Nostalgic is, has been a little bit better, um, you know, coming into the 2020-2023 season. Um, and, I, and I could see this horse kind of overcoming some of that more than I could Mary Quite Contrary. There's a look at race number five, the first of the stakes on Saturday at Gulfstream Park. I call them stakes. There's a nice handicap that we're going to get into in uh, the uh, the ninth race, which is in the late pick four sequence. But before that, we head to race number eight. Barry, we're going to get to the grass in here going a mile in the grade three Swanee River. Uh, the horse who I'll start with in here, and this is less a trip playing horse for me because I've been following this horse a little bit a few times. I think she'll fit really well in here is Willakaya. Uh, the motion horse who's been behind full count Felicia been behind Saffron moon recently. And then last time out was fourth at aqueduct, but we can look at these last two races in particular, like a little bit of them. And I think she'll really kind of jump out and just some tough, tough trips. So let's go first up October 7th, really cool feature with the DRF formulator past performances. Boom. You're just one click to watch the replay. So she lost to Saffron Moon in here. Keep in mind, Willakaya, six to one on the morning line, Saffron Moon, seven to two on the morning line. Probably a horse will get bet even more than that based on the connection there with, with Chad Brown. So we're looking at the five and the one. They're both in this same race at Aqueduct, which is like a really nice allowance race on October the 7th. So uh, again, we're watching the one and the five in here. Barry. So watch both of them are sitting right next to each other early on. They're fourth and fifth. One's on the inside of the five. And you'll see just the difference of like what happens when the one just gets stopped a little bit inside and loses some of that positioning. And that's honestly the difference between winning and losing. So right here, already you can see the five's got more of a clear journey to the outside and the one's sort of inside kind of Hold in already, having to take up, and now losing a full length of the positioning. These two horses were right next to each other going into the first turn. Now the five's got a full length on the one and got the full jump on the one. One's going to try to come back into contention again, but with the four right in front and the five still to the outside, the horse is pinned down inside. And this is Willakaya. So one has to take back a little bit now and see if they can get around, but now it's back a, a length and a half behind. So all that positioning is going to be the difference between winning and finishing second in this race. Here comes Saffron Moon, perfect trip with the five, gets a beautiful jump, three wide bid, moves right to the lead here, and the one's got to try to follow this horse now, and the one does follow the horse really nicely, still kind of in traffic battling and gets out here, Barry, but boom, like that's the difference in winning and losing right there, right? Yeah, absolutely, and and you know, some racetracks, uh, notably Keeneland, it's it's tough to get covered up like that and then try to make your way out because you see the horses, they just come flying on the outside. Yeah. Side. Right, on in the short stretch, they just come flying on the outside. It's hard to get out. Uh, you know, uh, this horse did get out, but like you said, it you know, it was, it was a little bit too late and, and just had to chase the winner home. Um, I, I did like this horse, uh, you know, on paper. Also, 
Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the 10 Mesador. If you look at this horse's past performances and you eliminate the, the last race, October 25th on the synthetic, and then any race farther than a mile and all the sprint races. Just the miles. If you just look at this horse's mile races on the turf, this horse fits very, very well here. Uh, I, I think that the pace is going to be pretty fair and, and maybe a little bit hot, which will help this horse. And I, I think this horse has enough kick to, to kind of finish this off. Um, I, I definitely want this horse more than I would want fastest flight doing sort of the same thing. I, I think this horse has better is better, has more potential and kind of fits this race to a T as far as the, the, the trip is concerned. Um, I think this horse is going to be coming really fast late. I, I do like the workouts that this one's been having in preparation for this. It looks like this was the goal. And uh, Christoph Clement does well with these types off the layoff, just like this. He did it before. I've seen it with a, a therapist and, and a few other of his horses that that kind of have this sort of running style. And, and he usually gets them ready. And, yeah. And, 15 to 1. I got to take a shot. I don't think this horse is going to be 15 to no, 1. No, and she's she's got to be used be in all price. in all late exotics. Do, if you're just looking like in a very simple sense on top of all of the things that you mentioned and you you highlighted it, look at her just distance column right here in the DRF section where she's run 7 times at the mile. She has two wins, four thirds. She has her career best buyer speed figure, and she has the best buyer speed figure that any horse in the race has at a mile. Right. To so, me, that that's kind of like a no brainer because this horse obviously has the chops to to run this fast, um, you know, at this trip. Now, this is probably the best you're going to get. Whether she wins or not is a whole nother story, but. I'm willing to take a shot with a horse that's kind of, uh, you know, marginal in that sense, um, as far as, you know, with the form muddied up like that. I, I mean, you see those races at, at six furlongs. They're not all that bad, but they're not that great either. It's clear that this horse is a miler. And, and I think this is a great trip, great situation, um, you know, at 15 to one, I, I'm guessing this horse would probably be about eight to 10 to one. That, and, that's as, and I was going to say eight, eight. Yeah. I was going to say seven or above is fine. Like that, this horse, like at, at half of it, that's fair for Messi Adore. She, and what's nice is the versatility too. She's not, you, you want them to be more decisive with her, but because you don't want them to get hooked wide, like just take her back and then let's press the button late and like make that one really nice run. So she's not way, way out of it. But and I think because of that running style, the wide trip sh may not hurt her that much, or the wide draw may not Correct. hurt her that much. You know, so um, yeah, she's a player in here for sure. You know, and honestly, I I'd like to see Javier ride this horse like he rides Web Slinger. Yeah, like he did two back when she won at a mile. That would be ideal. Yeah. Yeah, he took her back, kind of just made a move, like, right? Made a middle, like, decisive move there, like, up into contention, sustained it. Okay, Barry, where do we head next, my friend? Uh, we go to race number nine. This is your type of race. This is a, a nice synthetic handicap race for horses who have, you got a bunch of these, like, really experienced synthetic horses, and then you've got, some of these turf horses just taking a swing on the synthetic because you know, you're going to take a shot here for a hundred thousand dollars 
uh, why not if maybe you're just a cut below like the graded stakes level? So uh, talk to us about this ninth race, which is a really fun betting race here. I thought it was a challenging race to handicap. Kind of have to. Yeah, this is nuts because you have a horse in flat W that has 11 synthetic wins at Gulfstream. I mean, that's got to count for something. <laughs> Even I know. if the horse yeah. is technically stepping up in class. It's, uh, 11 wins on the synthetic has to count for something. You know, I th- this this race has chaos written all over it. I mean, th- this could go a, a lot of different ways. Um, a horse that I ended up kind of keying in on was me and Mr. C., uh, the eight horse with Irad aboard. Um, I, I think that last race was was kind of a, you know, that horse was out wide the whole way. It wasn't really a, a great attempt at, at trying to win that race. And I think this is a better spot. You get Irad this time. He's ridden this horse well uh, the time that he did ride. Uh, I, I think the synthetic makes a lot of sense here. This horse is two for four on the synthetic with a second. I think it's just all systems go for this horse. Eight to one seems a little bit far-fetched. I, I'd probably venture around four to one, maybe five to one-ish. And and I'm okay with that. I like this spot back for me and Mr. C2. I agree. You mentioned he got action last time out too. He'll be a better price in here this time. Just a better trip in here. Uh, likely to get. He was just in like kind of a no chance trip. And now he'll go second start back off the short little break. A couple horses that are on my radar that I, I wanted to mention the number 11, I think it's a little bit interesting in here. Dreams of tomorrow. He took a swing on the synthetic two starts back at Woodbine and he ran into a, a nice horse that day. Uh, I was following Woodbine this year on a day-to-day basis and Artie storm was, was very good up at Woodbine. Uh, he got sharp for a little while. He won following that race. He came right back to win and won the Durham cup next out and beat a, a nice horse named Wolfie's Dyna ghost. Who's in a lot of these types of races, right? Like these synthetic handicaps or synthetic the stakes races or graded stakes races. Like he's a good measuring stick on, on for like older horses on the synthetic surface. And the last race dreams of tomorrow ran into main event on a good turf course at aqueduct main event is a speed horse that we're going to see in just a minute when we, talk about the Fort Lauderdale. So in a race like that, where main event gets the lead and and he doesn't have an opportunity to get some pace to run at, he doesn't have as, as you know, nice of a chance to win. He's only making a second synthetic start here. And overall he's, you know, he's run into some nice horses when you start diving into just, just the races on the page. I mentioned the horses in the last two already storm main event dream shake was a nice horse. Emmanuel is a horse that, you know, we've talked about Barry, you've been high on in a few of his big races. Like he's capable of big races too. You've got a tone and uh, analyze it. He's, you know, he's faced some sharp horses and some nice ones. I think it's not a bad spot for him here. I'm hoping he can sit maybe fourth in here after chasing some lone speed and can step a little bit forward on the synthetic. So he's going to yeah. be in the mix for me. I took a long look at what this horse would do in this race i mean they could go to the lead but i don't know if that's really ideal and it's going to be tough to try to find a spot to sit um that's the key but trip wise you'll get all he'll be a price price. you know yeah that's worth the the trip right that's exactly Mm -hmm. because i think he's good enough to win this race i think he can compete if he were to get a good enough trip in here his his top level is is nice. He has a good ceiling here and he's in very nice hands. So he'll be in the mix for me. Uh, me and Mr. C who you mentioned, definitely 
Skyro's probably like the measuring stick in here. But you also pointed Fly the W, who's 12 to 1, and he beat Conglomerate, who's 5 to 1 in here. Like, I, I got to throw in Fly the W in some pick fours. Yeah, this, this definitely uh, demands a little bit of a spread here. I, I wouldn't go too, too deep, but I, I, I would definitely eliminate the favorites. I'd definitely use Fly the W just because of his record. Um, you know, I, I would even throw in Saratoga Flash. Me too. Uh, just because that horse is kind of on the way up. And then use the horse that I mentioned, the 8, and then probably the 11. Yep. As uh, It's a fun, fun multi-race exotics type of race here for your late exotics on Saturday at Gulfstream Park. We have two more graded stakes races to discuss on the card. Race number 10 is the Harlan's Holiday. There was a... Uh, uh, some news earlier that looks like it will end up happening, Barry. And you and I thought this was big news. Signator, I believe, is going to be entered in a race on Sunday instead at Aqueduct. Um, so that's a bummer because I actually thought he would fit pretty well in here and, and get a decent trip. So just worth pointing out, uh, it yeah, looks like quite Signator- a bummer. What a bummer. And, and you know, probably won't get the price anywhere near eight to one at aqueduct because it's a, it's a softer spot, but I, I would gather that horse is probably going to win at aqueduct. Okay. So let's get to the rest of this field in the Harlan's holiday. I'll kind of set the scene a little bit and then I'll hand it off to you, my friend. So from the inside out, New York traffic, I feel like is in this race for two reasons. One to show his speed. Cause that's what's best for him going longer, but he's also probably in here to really make sure he helps set it up for O'Connor, the other Safey Joseph horse, who is an, a, a solid horse. And I, I'm sure they'd like to get uh, and use this as maybe a nice prep for the Pegasus like they did last year for him. He now is coming off of a graded stakes win. He's been a lot better in his last few starts and kind of consistent. Um, so he's a horse who will come closing, but Barry, he's not fast early. He needs some pace help. So I think Safey has two horses in here that will complement each other's running style. Uh, the key is, Will there be other horses pushing NY traffic in here? And I, I think there will with, you know, Octane, at least you've got Miles D drawn to the outside. Uh, some versions of Gasoline wants to go. We could see him going. Um, and then even down towards the inside, like Grand Aspen, I don't think wants to be too far out of it. I'm, I'm expecting WNL to kind of sit a little bit more in here. How do you see this one play out? I think you might be muted. Yeah, I've kind of seen it the same way you are. Um, I, I do think WNL probably will have to force the issue a little bit. Um, you see the last race at a mile and eighth, and the horse kind of got into the race. And I think they're going to try the same tactic, especially with Louis Sai as a board. Um, New York traffic, we had a running joke on, on our podcast that that horse just doesn't want to pass anybody. Um, <clears throat> although he, he did in September, which was a shock, but then he backed <laughs> it up in the Hudson, which is a state bred race, and, and just didn't really do anything. As the favorite, I mean, this horse tends to burn a lot of money. Um, I think you you might be right that they're there to to kind of set the table for O'Connor, but O'Connor is another horse that I can't feel any confidence in in a race like this, especially coming from way out of it at a I, short I price. No way, that, right? I I couldn't do it. Um, Gasoline is probably going to add to the pace. Um, I'd probably say Laura Min is probably going to try to force the issue too. So that kind of leaves me throwing one downfield here in Miles D. 
I don't think this horse is going to want the lead. You can see back in October 2021, November 2021, this horse was running really good races. And you see the horse ran one time in 2022. Didn't run all that bad in the mine shaft at fairgrounds. And then was laid off again almost for a whole year. Comes into the Hooper and endorsed was razor sharp at the time. Octane was razor sharp at the time. Yep. And there was no way that horse was going to get you know, anywhere near that. I, I still don't understand how that horse was favored in that race. Um, after that, the stymie was a really good race. Repo rocks at that time was very, very sharp. Ran into another buzzsaw in law professor who just yep. outclassed that field. Now comes back in 2023 in November and runs a bang up race in the Delta mile. And I think that race is something to build on and will springboard this horse back to the old form of 2021. I like the two workouts since um, December 13th was a nice maintenance work and then a, a more serious work on December 24th, uh, mile, uh, mile and three breezing. So I, I think this horse is, is kind of rounding in the form again. 21 seems a little far-fetched. I hope we get it, but I'm thinking more half that. And you've got a couple of good horses to use for stable dual lineups between this horse and uh, messy door horses that will probably be bet a little bit, but won't cost you a whole lot to throw in your lineups because there's such big prices on the morning line. And I'm glad you had a big, like a big price in here because after, uh, after signature now, I, I that doesn't look like he's going to be in here. I'm my opinion in this race. Wasn't, I didn't have as strong of one horse that I want to use. And it's, it's, I'm hoping he, he sits his gasoline. I, you know, I'm looking at the races in September and November at Churchill. Can he get those races where he sat off a little bit? And then I think he's he's capable of winning. If he gets caught up in the lead, especially drawn towards the outside, then I'm concerned. But I'm going to throw him in. I think that Clark race might be a little bit better than it may look on paper because he settled. He's just a little bit farther back than he wanted to be. He was like six lengths off, and he moved down to the inside. The top two horses, trademark and first mission, they ended up opening up, and they they went off by five and a half lengths. So he finished fifth, but really he was right there with the horses in like that third, fourth, and fifth grouping behind the top two who just went off. Um, it, it comes down to trip with him. So I would throw him in a pick four in a race that I'm I'm like lukewarm on now after a horse I liked is is gonna be rerouted, it looks like. So um yeah, let's get your let's get your big price home. Yeah, here, Barry. you know, you, you know what's crazy is uh Irad is riding gasoline for the first time, and it's a pleasure horse. And usually, you know, I, I think he's going to sit. He's going to try to get the same trip that Miles D is going to get. And that might not be a bad thing because you know how I've been documented several times saying how Irad isn't the best riding on the lead. He showed it the other day, actually, at Santa Anita, where he had a clear advantage and just didn't do anything with it on one of the horses he was riding out there. In the I think it was a Jazzy, was it? Maybe, yeah, I think. And then, yeah, I, I think so. I, I forget what which horse it was, but he clearly had a nice lead and just couldn't seal the deal. So I think coming off the pace is probably the best thing for gasoline. Now I'm going to use gasoline too in, in exotics here or in in multi uh, race bets. Um, I gotta because give no. Hajazi was uh, was one. I wanted to make sure I didn't I didn't give him bad credit for something. That was one. Uh, he was on Fort Bragg in that race, so I rad with. So <laughs> I didn't want to. 
But but you know what was I I think I'm still bitter because I thought Hajazi like, that horse didn't those... do any running anyway. Well, he he like got the lead and he was in front of Speedboat Beach, but because Speedboat Beach is a baffer, he didn't cross over on him, you know. And they were just like one two, and Speedboat Beach comes back. I felt like normally you're gonna get in front of that horse and kind of put him, you know, behind you and make him come around you or come through. But right. I understand when these a lot of these guys ride for them, they don't want to like they. They do their, we've seen them, we've seen this happen before, but that was, that was Santa Anita. We're talking about Gulfstream and gasoline who uh, I think could sit a trip, but you're right. This is one thing we pointed out. Um, I thought I rad in a couple spots. I it's just be aggressive, you know? And I thought there was a couple spots on Santa Anita that, that he, he did that really, really well um, on opening day. And this is an interesting horse. Cause this horse has some ability. Uh, I think that last race was better than it may look. So hopefully let's see him sit in third or fourth in here. Gasoline. Barry, let's close this thing out. Yeah, I think I, I think he's going to try to pop the gate and get a good stalking position. Yeah. Just hopefully not too wide, right? You could get, you don't want to get parked, um, parked out there like in the four path all the way around. You know, you can sit two and a half, three deep. That's fine. But any farther than that, you start losing that much ground. It's it's tough, even on the dirt. Okay, let us let's close this thing out, my friend. Let's go to the Fort Lauderdale, the Grade Two Mile and an Eighth race number eleven at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. Some of the major players in this one. You will have Stone Age, who's seven to two on the morning line, coming out of back to back Grade One races where he wasn't close, but he did face some good company. Um, in those races, others that will take some support running B for Chad Brown very quick. I thought there was a little bit of other speed in here. Um, and he's going to be making his second start back af- off of a long, long layoff. He was impressive in winning off of a long, long layoff. So at least on the morning line, those are the two that will take the most support and the two that are, you know, going to get a lot of action. Barry. Uh, do you like either of those horses? Or are you looking for more prices in here? How do you think the card ends on Saturday? I'll, I'll say this uh, about running B. If if you feel like you can take two to one on a horse like that, you know, in, in a grade two, I, you can have it because I, yeah, I just, I just can't do it. This horse may no. very well win, um, but you know, Chad Brown horses typically aren't going to the front anyway. Um, but this one has some speed, but I, I, I just can't feel any confidence. First time in, in a grade two, it, it from the way outside, I, I, I just can't see it happening. Now, now again, this horse is good, um, but I, I, I would say again, same thing with Stone Age. I don't really know what kind of a trip Stone Age will get. Me neither. I, mean, I agree with you. He was kind of a speed horse. <laughs> Now he's kind of a closer and just doesn't finish races off. I mean, you see the two wins back in March and May of 2022, and then you don't see anything since. You see a lot of runner-up finishes. This horse had every opportunity to win uh, at Keeneland and at Saratoga in 2022 and just didn't get it done. And then runs okay, but doesn't win. So I I can't feel confident in that horse. I, I think this is kind of a spread race, you know, eliminating the favorites. Like, I can't feel any confidence in Grand Sonata. How can you? This horse is his only win has been an $80,000 claimer. Hasn't been really close in any graded stake. 
So that being said, I ended up on King Max, the five. Um, I, I think this horse's races at Newmarket, Ascot, York last year were pretty good in those graded, uh, in those group races. And it looks like this horse is kind of rounding into form. Um, you're going to get a nondescript jockey. People don't really know very well, but he's, he's pretty good. And riding for George Delgado, which is kind of strange. So the, the price will probably be around 12 to 1. I'd say 10 to, to 12 to 1. But those two races that, that he did win in June um, and July at Monmouth were pretty damn good. And I think this horse kind of was a, a little bit out of sorts on the synthetic. That's and that was I a came. good field. That yes. Tyson came over and faced at older Carruthers. company. Carruthers yeah. is solid. And I mentioned Artie Storm a little bit earlier. Like that was a good group at Woodbine. Um, so if you eliminate that race and now he's got a few months off, this is a barn that can absolutely get a horse ready to fire fresh. There's no monsters in here. No. Like you said, the, the favorites we don't like. So we're taking shots against them. I'm, I'm a little warmer on Grand Sonata than you, but I don't like the other two favorites at all. I think Grand Sonata's last couple trips are a little, like I, for me, sort of what you did with the 10 in the other race. I'm just looking at Grand Sonata's races going a mile and an eighth. That River City last time out, um, if you watch it on November the 11th, so he's in between horses. He's in a bad spot. He had nowhere to go. He had to alter course inside. He got shuffled back again. It was just like a brutal, brutal trip. Uh, go back a mile and an eighth at Saratoga. Yeah, and he's he kind of wide too. Yeah, he's winning and he's beating Easter, right? And we just saw Easter come back at Santa Anita on opening day and win. And we've seen Easter. He's a really sharp, really nice horse. He's won three in a row now, back-to-back uh, -back graded stakes races out on the West Coast. So it's one of these things where you look at the mile and an eighth races for Grand Sonata where he's really been at his best mile and an eighth there uh, wins at Saratoga, go back to the mile and an eighth at Belmont and Aqueduct. He's third against graded stakes company there in the grade two Hill Prince. Um, he's again, third back in June at Churchill 2022 in uh, finishing in the Audubon. So that's his trip a mile and an eighth. It just seems like he goes a little bit farther than that. He's flat uh, a little bit shorter than that. I think he gets too far back. He sits a really nice trip at a mile and an eighth, but I, I'm I'm with you in the the exact approach to this race. I I want to throw in a few others besides those two short price. You mentioned the five. He's on my ticket. Fort Washington. He's on my ticket for sure. He's sharp. He's kind of becoming. This is the kind of horse that Suge McGay he does well with horses that he's not rushing and then they just get a little bit better you can see some gradual improvement from this horse and i could see him take a step forward now fresh off a couple months i want to throw the one in uh marwad uh, a little bit also i think yes, this horse has that's the some one. races marwad. right yes the race in in march of last year was really good when he's second here behind value engineering. He beats masterpiece in that race in a field of 12 against grade two company going a mile and three eighths, a little bit longer. And now he's going to get his third start off the bench. And he's just going to be a much better price for a rider. Who's coming over here kind of hungry and trying to prove himself. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and I think this trip may be a little bit on the shorter end for this little course, bit, but I yeah, think I agree. mile and eighth can, I think if, if ridden properly, O'Sheen Murphy can get the do the job done, especially with the post. I I do like this post for this horse, um, despite the fact that this horse is probably going to close. Um, I I think if he kind of gets after him a little bit earlier than than what they have been, 
he can finish this off. Yeah. So a race where we don't like the the top two short prices at all. I gave the two a little bit more of a look, but our approach is very similar in we want some nice prices in here with the one in the mix, uh, the five King Max in the mix, Fort Washington in the mix for me. Anyone else you want to mention in here, buddy? No, I think think you got it covered. I I mean, I I definitely want to spread here without using, without using favorites. Um, Yep. Even Jerry, the nipper might be worth a shot at a, at a decent price. I know this horse has been running in state bred company, but should get a nice trip behind, you know, uh, the nine here. uh, He can sit anywhere from like the first to third range. Sometimes, you know, it's a little strange. Right. Like, I don't think he's on the lead here, but I could see him in like, the top like. three range. Right. And and he's got a little versatility sitting behind. I agree. He could fall into a nice spot. And then uh, Red Run is another one that I would include just because this horse seems to have improved um, since running on the turf back in 2022. And that race at, at Churchill was pretty decent, beating Yamato and, and English Tavern, who both came back to win. Um, but the Sycamore wasn't bad you know, kind of was out of position wide the whole time. And then the, the race in the river city, it was, a it was pretty disastrous for a couple of horses. And, and I think red run definitely got the worst of it. So that one wouldn't surprise me at a, at a nice price either. And F five was in there. We saw him come back and win that two mile race on the front end. Uh, that was rescheduled just a few days back. So race came back live already with one of the horses towards the bottom of the field coming back and beating a, a group of stakes runners. I think it's a fun card on Saturday at Gulfstream Park. Finger, fingers crossed for good weather. What I like about the sequence as a gambler, just the four races, like we looked at five races, but the four in particular in the late sequence, I, and I know you do too. Some people don't like it. I love when there's a good synthetic race in the middle of it. And we have a really challenging synthetic race. We have two good grass races and a good dirt race all in this sequence where there aren't any real like headline monster name horses or anything, but the fields are challenging. They're, they're good betting races. Yeah. And that's what we live for is, is horse players. You know, this is a challenging sequence. Like you said, they threw that, that synthetic race in the middle of it and and you know it'll, it'll throw some people off and then you know the other turf races are really really competitive so you got to make your decisions you know try to trim those tickets down to 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 a, a you know kind of a, a manageable level then you can play it for more than once and things like that but you know this is definitely a tough sequence so it, it looks like it's going to pay pretty decent barry uh tell us about going in circles big Mondays and uh, the website, anything else that you've got going on over with Chuck or uh, that you want to mention? Yeah. We, you know, we, we still do the uh, going in circles podcast. We skipped a week uh, because Christmas was on a Monday. So, you know, we'll be back at it on uh, new year's day. Um, but there's always lots to talk about and we, we kind of don't concentrate on, on making picks and things like that. We kind of, want to get out there the state of the game and how we can improve it and how we can get things to change. Um, there's a lot of things going on within the industry that, that probably needs to be reevaluated. Um, but we're, we're, we're there to discuss that. And we, we also do some basketball and baseball and stuff like that too. So, uh, uh, we like to be the master of all trades kind of. <laughs> Barry, 
Always love chatting with you uh, about the races, about life in general, basketball, everything going on, my friend. Uh, we covered a lot of ground in the last few weeks. Golfstream a few times, had some Santa Anita oh, opening man. day. And now it's now it's fun. Like I feel like we, for you and I, I'm local for Santa Anita. Uh, I love when the racing's there at Santa Anita. You're local at Golfstream Park. Um, right now we got good races going on at Oaklawn at fairgrounds turfway has nice racing during the week as well uh action all over it's it's a really fun time for the signals aqueduct just opened back up today for their meet moving forward so i like this time of year right now with all the options that we have oh yeah as long as the weather cooperates the, the racing is excellent this time of year Look forward to uh, chatting with you uh, each and every week, my friend. It's always one of the highlights. You always uh, put a few horses on my radar that were not, and now I have a couple extra to to steal from you in my stable dual lineups and to throw on my pick forward tickets. <laughs> uh, ho- hopefully we have uh, helped lead a few of you out there to some winners here and there. However, you're playing the races. We wish you the best of luck. Remember, when you need help playing the races, head to drf.com. They have everything you need at Gulfstream Park for that championship meet, the PPs, the picks, the clocker reports, and they've got clocker reports every day at Gulfstream Park and Santa Anita. So good luck. Thanks so much uh, for hanging out, and we'll ha- I'll have a couple more videos coming out this week, some shorter ones with some best bets at Santa Anita for Friday and for Saturday if you need some help playing the races over there. Here's uh, my good friend Joey Cleveland with that call to post, the rock version, to close us out. Thank you to Barry for helping us out with Saturday Gulfstream Park Stakes. Let's shift on over to Santa Anita. Keep in mind, Santa Anita has those contests back. They are free to enter. Pick'em.SantaAnita.com. $500 to the winner every Saturday, every Sunday. These are contests that are their props and their combination of NFL props and questions about the horse racing card for those days at Santa Anita. Totally free. 500 bucks. Best way to build your bankroll. So let's look at the card for Saturday for Santa Anita. Now keep in mind, it could be wet. There's rain projected. So as of now, I'm going to talk about everything like they're on the grass, but very easily could change. In race number one, they're going to go down the hill in the Joe Hernandez. It's a grade two. I thought the one lucky score just from a class standpoint is coming out of some really tough races. He's only beaten a couple lengths in the Breeders' Cup mile. He faced that same horse, Master of the Seas, in the Woodbine mile. He was only beaten a neck in the Neartic. He's faced a bunch of different types of courses recently. And six and a half just feels perfect for him if this race stays on the hill. So the uh, the one lucky score in the mix for me all over, as with the nine Tahoe Sunrise cutting back from a mile, he's shown the ability to sit just a little bit off, but he has natural speed. I think the hill is a perfect fit for him. One in nine would be in the mix all over there for me in race number one at Santa Anita on Saturday. And then race number four is where I would jump to next. That's the start of the pick six sequence. I thought the... Five Zimba Warrior. He faced the one, two, and three on October the 21st. And then following that, he tried protected spots. One of them was on the turf. Last time out, he hooked a gate to wire winner. The key is how will the race shape up? He needs a little speed. 
but I think he's he's got more speed than Big Buzz, and there are versions of this race where we get good juju, direct line, and Setsento all forwardly placed in here. So I think it, it could set up well for Zimba Warrior in this small field. I'll use both Zimba Warrior and Setsento as my top horses in here. You know, direct line, just the, the layoff lines and the time off is concerning for me as he continues to, uh, to drop down the class ladder. Let's move to race number five. Ted Lasso fans, we got to be a goldfish. We got to have that 10 second memory here. This horse is a filly who's only raced one time. And in that race, she had a fine start, but they all lined up six across the racetrack. She was kind of in between horses. So she had to take back. And then she moved to the outside and altered around. And she passed a few horses late. She actually outfinished Lamborghini in this spot. And then Lamborghini went on and tried the turf. Be a goldfish will try the turf for the first time. Her dam was unraced, but she does have a winning turf sib, and she's a proven speed horse in a race where there's not much other proven speed. I think she'll be forward in here, and she should be fine on the grass, and looks like she offers some nice value at 6-1. to one. Lamborghini makes sense. Quick, quick Kate had a nice debut race, came running sprinting. OK Rose is also very logical, but I, I like be a goldfish at anything over four to one in there. I'll make a little win wager on the number four. That's race five. In race number six, this one will actually kick off your late pick four sequence. I'm going to go to the number four dual threat. You know, there's not a ton of early, he doesn't have a ton of early speed, so he may need a little help in this race. But I think from a class standpoint, he really fits. If you toss the turf, if you toss the synthetic, his last four races on dirt, they're all in the money finishes. Can he get a version of this race where the three inside horses all are more forwardly placed and he gets a nice setup behind them? Hondo Crouch, I think the horse to beat in this race with this field, I mean, he has to be part of the early pace with the blinkers on. He was tucked inside last time out of Bennett and Joe. And he was in between horses. He did have some traffic trouble, did Hondo Crouch. He got shuffled a little bit. He pushed through. And he did get going late. The blinks could really help him watching the way he ran. I didn't know what to do with the one. Delmar Jerry, I mean, he makes sense at the class level. He's had legitimate trouble four races in a row. But at a short price in a small field, I don't know. You know I'd probably want a little bit more than I'm going to get on him from a price perspective. His lone win came going gate to wire. He hasn't really won passing. I'm going to go 4-3 in here and kind of key on them in some of the exotics. The seventh race looks like a really difficult race. It's 5.5 for Maiden 32s, and there's no one really to to kind of latch on to. I will probably build a lot of my exotics around the 7-8-9. I like Sharp Lorenzo a little bit. The 8, his debut, he was a step slow and then really quick, and he ran into some traffic. And then in his second start, almost the same thing. Kind of a step slow, and then he moved up real quick, but there was a couple horses in front of him, and he got stopped, and he just sort of backed up. Now he takes a a nice drop down in class. If he just has that quicker first step, he's going to be right there early on, and I don't want horses necessarily that are going to have to come from way out of it in these types of races. I'll use the 7 Midnight Love. I thought... His race at Los Al last time was pretty good. His overall body of work and his four starts, if you eliminate that October 28th race, going six and a half off the layoff, his form looks really nice. He fits well here. 
And then you got the nine, let the liquor talk, who's dropping in class, cutting back, second time out improvement likely for Mullins, seven, eight, nine. I mean, no real knocks on the four, smiling JoJo, who showed improved speed last time out. Wouldn't be shocked to see the one Mr. Shivas run a lot better in here. You have first time starters right next door to each other in the two and the three. Either of them wouldn't have to be monsters to beat this group. And then Sunset Storm showed speed was favored in the debut. So you can just go through this field and make a case for many. Getting to race number eight, what's difficult about this one, you have five horses that are coming out of the November the 19th race, going a mile on the turf. I'm going to go to the number six, Burt's Prospect, who is not one of those horses. The blinkers come off for him today. He's moving in from an open maiden special to a race with Calbreds. His dam was a four-time winner on the turf, including a Calbred Stakes winner going long on the turf. And the Tory jumps aboard. I'm expecting him to be forwardly placed in a race where there's not that much speed. The 8B punctual has the blinkers coming on. He's fresh, and he comes out of stronger races than most of these do, where he was behind old pal a couple times. Get the gold fits really well. He was about 10 lengths off early in his last start, and he had a really good energy kind of got stopped and he angled he was like angled around and sustained i thought it was a really nice bid from him uh for second on august the 31st at del mar ghostly act fits what's what's fine with him is while he has a bunch of minor finishes he's not really been a horse that's been burning money he's never been under three to one so he's been in races with horses that were supposed to be better than him and he's actually run well in those races Topper's wager would be another if you wanted to go a little bit deeper. I could make a case for him. But I'll use 6, 8, and 3 all over the place with some 5, maybe even a little 7. Closing out the card on Saturday at Santa Anita, I like the 2 Elevato, who was coming off of a a race at 6.5 and and a race at a mile before that. In fact, he won at 6 furlongs, and since then his next 3 races have all been at longer distances against better. Now he's dropping back down in class. He's cutting back. He loomed up with dead aim, and you could just see that the distance was a little too far for him last time out. I think it's a perfect spot for Elevato. Others that I might be including in here, Big Splash can pass some horses ferociously on the drop in class. Will be in the mix for me too. And Buck Owens is at least an under. I think he's a little better going longer. There's a look. At Saturday at Santa Anita. Best of luck playing the races on the Saturday card at Santa Anita. Let's finish up with this week in wrestling. We have four shows coming up that we preview. Chad Cooper joins me to talk about AEW World's End. Then we get to WWE and their show for Monday Night Raw on uh, Monday, January the 1st. We get to the NXT New Year's Evil preview for January 2nd, and then the January 5th preview of SmackDown. Koopa Loop, Chad Cooper joins for this week in wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. I'm trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero. Your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Time for another edition of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. 
2023 is winding down. Happy holidays to all. Hope you all had a very nice Christmas. Koopa Loop, we're coming up on the new year. Normally, this is like a really dead time in the world of wrestling. And this particular week, we had a lot of clip shows and a lot of best of shows. But in the next week ahead, we actually have like four shows lining up. One for AEW and then Monday Night Raw, NXT, and SmackDown all have these like little mini live event type shows where you you kind of are using them as a pay-per-view because there was such a big gap between, you know, pay-per-view survivor series and the Royal Rumble. So happy holidays, buddy. We got a lot to talk about today. Yeah. It's exciting time as usual. Like you said, it's usually slow, especially in the WWE universe, but uh, uh, we had a clip show on Monday night, best of raw. We have a best of SmackDown this week. Um, they're doing a lot of house shows, as you know. I mean, who would have thought on Tuesday night uh, a WWE house show at Madison Square Garden in New York City would trend number Unbelievable. one on social media, right? So, uh, and, uh, you know, AEW's live. Uh, they have a big event this weekend. Um, so, the, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. It was some massive, massive television programming next week on WWE as well. So coming up December 30th is World's End pay-per-view for AEW. Then January 1st, WWE has Monday Night Raw, which is going to be a blast where Seth Rollins is defending the the title. We have two championship matches. We'll talk about that show. We'll preview what's going to be heading up on there. NXT is going to have their special New Year's Evil. That'll be a blast. And then SmackDown has New Year's Revolution on January 5th. So if you're listening to this you know, the 28th, the 29th, the 30th, the SmackDown didn't have or won't have anything live coming up this week. It's just going to be a best of show uh, for their final show. So I'm actually happy that WWE's done that. In some years, they haven't, Chad. <laughs> right? Some years, they've had You're every episode Christmas live. Christmas night. It's like, come on, man. Let these people have a few days with their families because we see you're working Christmas night in a they go, dog match. Well, because they go right on the road for these big holiday tours immediately oh, yeah. after, you know? So sure. give them that day at yeah. least with their family and they go right back to MSG. Baltimore <laughs> had a huge show. Massive, it was crazy. Yeah. Like they, it shows you how hot they are right now. And it reminds me of like the old WWF days because they're running these split shows all over too. Yeah. You yeah. know, like Orton's yeah. headlining some, like we talked about punks headlining the others and to have that yeah, kind of star L- power. As I told you briefly, you know, I know a lot of people listening to this on Friday as well, but Thursday night, which is tonight, WWE SmackDown roster is in Houston at the Toyota Center, sold out main event LA night uh, is in a singles match. And it's just, and Cody Rhodes is, is on the other card, which is, I can't remember where, but um it's just crazy. They're on fire. Uh, pro wrestling's on fire. It, it is. It, it just is. Pro wrestling's on fire, man. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to preview the matches that they have carded for all of these shows coming up. Instead of going back and talking about clip shows and stuff like that, well, let's look ahead. So starting on Saturday, December the 30th, we have AEW World's End. We have a 10-match card right now for the pay-per-view. Uh, they'll have a 20-man battle royal for a future TNT championship match. They have a lot of battle royal stuff like that. They can be done you know, well or not. I think sometimes um, they do a little too many, but I, I don't think they've done as, as many recently because they've been focused a little bit more on the tournament. So that's something worth mentioning. Um, Hook versus Wheeler Yuta. What's, what's sort of Strange when looking at this pay-per-view, Chad, and in the last couple months of AEW, like they've been 
especially since Punk left, they've been really trying to do their best to keep Collision strong. And while that may be helping that show, and and you need some the stories and some really star power on that show, I think it hurts the overall product because you have twice as many people, sometimes three times as many people watching Dynamite, and then they don't see a lot of these guys or gals for weeks at a time because their only stories are on collision and and they don't do a, a great enough job of reminding us or showing us video packages. A small example, the entire blue league of this tournament took place, not on dynamite. So up until Wednesday, the only blue league match I think we saw was a Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson Kingston match. Like everything else had taken place on collision there's there's only a couple hundred thousand people that watch that show, and I don't think they did a good enough job, or they do, reminding people with a 30-second video package, a little bit of a, like, a little something coming in from a break, uh, someone giving a promo to remind us what just happened, anything like that. Well, I didn't know Hook and Wheeler Yuta. I think a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, maybe a run-in backstage um, on Dynamite with these two, um, I don't remember anything from Wednesday night uh, promoting this match. Um, FTW rules match. I would assume that's kind of like a no DQ or no, I, you know, no holds barred. I'm not sure, they, but they was, didn't even mention it. Of, no, they've got the Blackpool no. guys out there in matches. Both of the two Blackpool guys had matches in the tournament. <laughs> they could have at one point mentioned, oh yeah, Wheeler Huter is also going to be on the, the show this week. <laughs> Taz is a commentator and this is his son. <laughs> his son. He couldn't have at oh, one time yeah, been yeah. like coming back from a break. Oh yeah, Hook, let's show you what happened between these two guys. It's... I, I, I it, it suffers. There's no doubt. It, it does. But again, I think you and I have both and not just us, but uh, definitely a lot more people than what used to, uh, whether or not they wanted to believe it. Um, this is uh, this is what you get with AEW. You're you're going to get a lot of matches. Some of them have not been mentioned on Wednesday night or Dynamite programming, as you said. You have to go to Collision. Some of these you have to watch on maybe Friday night, the Rampage Hour yeah. at 10 o'clock Central Time. Um, you're having to follow some of this, but this is definitely one of the matches that got uh, lost in the shuffle. Not sure how it goes. Uh, again, I, you know, with so many titles in AEW, this is the one I think that means the less. Um, probably even beneath uh, the Ring of Honor belt, oh, yeah. this uh, FTW championship. And I never know what's going on backstage. And this is a, a great no, point. No, You've no, made no. a couple times where it's like, there have been people in WWE a lot of times where we've wondered, like, why didn't they get pushed more? What happened? And then we find sure, out, sure. right, months later... <laughs> Oh, that's why. But when I'm always, always for WWE, AEW, TNA, Impact, MLW, whatever wrestling's out there, I'm consistent in. I I don't like to wait a lot with guys and gals that get really hot. I've always said that. No, 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 no. Oh, no. Always. Yeah. I'm yeah, really consistent true. about that. I think you want to give them like a month or two. You want to, a couple months maybe, feel, you want to feel that it's real. And then when you feel it's real, you want to go with it. You don't want to wait so long that they're not hot anymore before you push them and you go. And I just see so many guys that I, I think about was like, dude, Hook was Hook was a massive <laughs> deal a couple years ago. Remember I when Punk you, came you, in? You, you, 
Yeah, you brought it up that he was leading in t-shirt sales, in merchandise, t-shirt yeah. sales, and that's incredible with the with the names they have Insane. on that roster. Insane, really. He is. was just like badass with intrigue, and then all of a sudden it was like, and and maybe the guy's just too young, right? And maybe they knew like he couldn't do, he couldn't put him in there and have fifteen minute matches with guys like Mox. But you know what? Like, this was this, but Gino, this was what AEW was supposed to to be, be. exactly alternative. For this type of a guy, a guy or gal, you're yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Like this young person, this, this is what it was built on. And when we get to the tournament in a minute, which my overall thoughts on the tournament, like with most of AEW, the wrestling and the in-ring stuff was really good. There are just a few things that doesn't make don't make sense. They played it very, very safe. If we would have drawn a list of the top five people we thought would have been the five, like b- battling for the, the final spots, it were all five of them. The guy who puts his belts up is is still there and doesn't lose his belts. <laughs> you know, like nothing. They looked like they created a match so that way, or they, like a, a stipulation so that way Swerve wouldn't have to get pinned again just to try to keep him, even though that's not how you do a tournament. And they didn't no. cross bracket at all. I, I watched no. the World Cup. I've been in five million tournaments in my life for soccer, club soccer. I coached club soccer. I played baseball. All, like how many different tournaments when you go to basketball, when you're a kid, you're in these holiday tournaments all over the place. You're in these round robin tournaments or different ones, double elimination, everything. But anytime there's a there's brackets or anytime there's there's group play, there's pool play, just like the World Cup, be like pool A, pool B, pool C, pool D. You play your pool and then the winner of that pool will go on and face the runner up of a different pool. You don't have your pool face each other again and then go on that doesn't happen the only time that you'd face the same person from your pool again would be in the final if you both ended up winning and your top two teams from a pool ended up going through the knockout stages and then making it to the final so they were like everything they did was to try to like to, to do it as easy as possible to have as many top guys not lose as possible and that's not what they were were telling me with this tournament. That's not what the G1 does in New Japan. I don't was, know what it accomplished. I mean, how many how many weeks did we was this four, was, five, six weeks? It was three weeks. Very, very good wrestling. It didn't I had no issue. Yeah, I had no ne- issue with the never, wrestling. Never. You and I both said at the beginning, okay. It's not gonna be the wrestling. The no. We have to have an upset or two. We have to have we a none. time limit draw. We got none of that. We got none of that. And you, you mean to tell me this tournament, the story that you told me out of this tournament was that Eddie Kingston, and, and he's putting up his two titles against John Moxley. We're getting that. And it took you a tournament to tell us that, oh, we're going back to swerving Keith Lee. Zero cents. None. This, I, I thought it accomplished, this... it, it accomplished nothing, man. It really didn't. And these poor guys that were over and having to wrestle on TV – that can't be fun. I didn't think lethal purposes. and like lethal. Maybe he's a little older and at this point he doesn't care as much. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I, I have no did, idea. Uh, let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Gina. Did you, were you okay with the way they did points or would you like to have, okay, if you lost, you're going to the loser side of the bracket and you're going to try to work your way back. Did you like the structure, the point system, how they did it? The only reason why I, I I think that they had the right idea. I think it is the right idea if you're going to do it that way, where you want to get a bunch of guys, a bunch of matches on TV. 
the the biggest problem with this was because of circumstance, because of whatever, I think you got solid matches from Jay Lethal, you got solid matches from Briscoe, Daniel Garcia, but n- nobody believed those guys were going to win. Ever. That's why I would have and, done like a like an, an old school basketball tournament where you have two brackets. This is how well you know what? This is how actual wrestling tournaments are. Right. Wrestling right. tournaments, like high school wrestling and college wrestling. And NCAA, NCAA amateur wrestling. wrestling. They are structured just how you said. They have you have a you if you lose, you drop down, and then you gotta like hope the guy that beats you. Fight. Wins right. a match or two, right? And then it's called carry. Like, he will carry you, and you keep going, yeah. and, like, you stay alive. I just and thought it was too much to try to keep up with points because they don't tell you enough as it is. That, well, that's, I, the, I, right? I just, I, 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 that's why I haven't been the biggest fan. Number one, we, you know, living in, in Texas, there's only, what, one NHL team. So there's not a lot of ice or hockey. I love playoff hockey because I'm a degenerate, I'll bet it. But this one thing I didn't like, I don't like in NHL, is this point stuff. You know, oh, you get two points if you, you know, you tie. You know, I, I never like that. I like a good win-loss. And if this guy lost, he goes to the loser's bracket and tries to fight his way back. And if he's eliminated, he's eliminated. I just felt bad for Briscoe, Lethal. You're 0-3 or 0-4 in your division, and you're on TV and, and, and having to put somebody over in a match. I, I just I, – I thought when someone – and I hate to say it like this because it sounds ugly – Jay Lethal, he's on my top 10 list. He's always been a favorite. Back in the Ring of Honor days, when we finally got Ring of Honor on my cable system, I was, I, I just, I gravitated toward this guy because he had so much personality. He could work. He was just, I love the way he ran the ropes. When you got a guy like him that's 0 and 3, 0 and 4, and you got to put, there's no, that, that, that's a, you're wasting time by putting that match on TV. Because well, now the, the problem is I didn't like it when you go to try to do something with a Jay Lethal, with a Briscoe, with a Daniel Garcia. There's, there's nothing there. You well, it's like putting back in Ring of Honor. Why am I supposed to believe that they have a shot against any of the eight guys that we just saw ahead of them? Like any of them, you're better off. Like you know, you needed it to be a little bit more top heavy, or you got to give those guys a couple upsets. One of the two. Like, you got to give a couple of them a few upsets, and they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to let Moxley lose any. I understand you didn't want Swerve losing very much, but I I think where they, again, all the matches were good. Getting to a a Moxley versus Kingston, those guys have this awesome promo in the ring, and they're going to have a good match. But is this as important as it would have been with Kingston beating Moxley for the title at one point, or not even any title, just Kingston challenging Moxley, telling him, I need to defend my title, my New Japan title against you and prove I can beat you. How is that any different? And was it needed to use this tournament to tell this story when you could have told this story? This is the exact same thing I I say about the Royal Rumble a lot of years. You don't need, when you have top guys like that, I don't think they needed this tournament. I think you could have used this tournament better for Swerve or for Brian Danielson as like a send-off. He's going to retire next year. The guy never went to New Japan and did things like this that he wanted to. This guy's wrestling with an eye patch on. He's doing like all this for your company. He's beating himself up. I figured it could have been one of those two. Uh, Instead, they're going to give it, it looks like, in New York to Kingston. The crowd will be fine. The match will be great. Everything will be good. 
I just thought it felt weird because I I watched this. I've got a sour taste in my mouth about Swerve after he loses the match. It's a three-way, so he doesn't get pinned. But again, I'm looking at it going, hmm. Well, let, let's, do- let's uh, uh, and Jay White. What do what? we do with Jay White now? That's- this dude has been, a, 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 okay. you talk about a buzzkill booking. I guarantee, I, I, okay. I don't want to guarantee, but I would strongly, strongly say, and this is my belief, that they, another reason why they did the three-way to tell Jay White, hey, we are going to make sure you get to like the final of your bracket as a way to be like, we're going to give you a win over Mox in this tournament. We'll let you get there and you'll be in the final with Moxley and Swerve of this bracket versus that. And I almost think they orchestrated and didn't do the the normal way you're supposed to cross bracket just so they could get Jay White into here to keep him happy and not be like, oh, look, in the first six months we had you have, you were doing a weird tag team thing. Then we had you look not strong (laughs) when you got beat by a really injured champ. And now, you know, we have you as like the fifth best guy in this tournament. I I don't know if coming in as Jay White, this guy who was supposed to be a top, top guy, he would love that. I think it was like, hey, we'll let you get into the final of this bracket. Uh, Swerve also (laughs) won't lose. um, And Moxley won't lose. And they can play it as safe as possible. That's what I didn't like. Do you think they put him in this battle royal? I don't think they've announced anybody. Or no. if they did, I haven't seen anything. No, they haven't. In it. Yeah. No, I, they haven't announced anyone as of right now. So I, I don't I don't think so. But it's got to be Eddie Kingston winning this, right? Like, there's no way yeah, they're going to yeah. have. Three t- yeah, because it's a new. T- we, we're establishing a new title here, right? And that Continental way, which, which I don't like. But I guess if they're going to do it this way, it's like they can kind of have Eddie have these titles off on the side, but they do too much of this in AEW where it's like, what we just said with hooks, got the FTW title over here. You've got orange Cassidy's got the all Atlantic or whatever international championship over here. You've got, they've got this title over here and they don't interact enough with each other. I, I, the winner, this tournament should have been. And I think this was waiting or one of the guys on post wrestling said, they they did this too quickly because they should have set this up or in future years, they should set this up where they do this tournament leading into their big show at Wembley and the winner gets a title match. That's what this show. Yeah, should, because this, that's the, it seems like the show they're pushing. This, this, this tournament should be like a big tournament leading into the winner, like, like a Royal rumble or a G one or a bound for glory series or any of those tournaments. And then it leads to the winner getting a title match at your big show not just like a random, like in New Japan, the winner of the G1 gets the main event match at the Tokyo Dome. Like that's what they all do. Not just like a random set of titles that's going to be defended on their own. Like I don't, I don't like the and way. That it, yeah, yeah. And that does feels. he put? I mean, there's no way he puts all three titles up every match he's in, right? Well, and he's not like because he. Why wouldn't it make the most sense for the winner of this to face MJF? Why does? Why yeah. wouldn't it? It's like the the guy who just wins this big tournament, shouldn't they then go and face the top champion of your company? So my <laughs> only positive is if that's why they didn't want to have a guy like Swerve win this. Because they want to have Swerve here centrally located and like not defending New Japan Championship and Ring of Honor Championships and other stuff. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't want that. Me neither. At all. So then, then I'm okay with it. But as we're talking Swerve, Coop, Swerve goes backstage, and then out of nowhere, 
just mentions <laughs> you've got a contract. <laughs> oh hey, Keith Lee brought me up on collision. Keith Lee, you want to fight? I'll fight you this week. And then they pull out a contract. Yeah, what? the contract was written up. Here what? it is, pal. It's right here. But like <laughs> this is the kind of thing where if this is something you're gonna do, I, I don't think you can have this happen a few days before a pay-per-view like this with no build. Like Keith Lee should have attacked Swerve in the match. Yes. Costing the match. That's it. That's all. At least it starts to build 30 minutes earlier and we have more of a reason for Swerve to be mad. Now all of a sudden, we haven't seen or heard anything from Swerve directed at Keith Lee in months. It's been all about this tournament. Keith Lee didn't screw him over in the tournament or anything. He just called him out on collision there. And it's like, boom, focus switched right to that. This is bizarre. And you know Swerve has to go over here. Absolutely. But this, between this... And then right after this, we get a Miro um, <laughs> vignette. It's like, who? Miro? Oh, hey, buddy. I haven't seen you in months on this show. Who? Like, Rusev Day. You know, I was like, what is going on here? But Miro cuts a promo, says, now that the tournament's over, I'm going to go after Andrade. People cringed at the Rusev and Lana and stuff. Mainly the Rusev and Zig or the Lana and Bobby Lashley and like yes. Ziggler. I remember there was yeah. stuff there. I I have no idea what's going on with Lana Andrade with Rusev. I don't think any. I had no idea she was. I had no idea she was had a, around a, a, a manager. She's got clients. Andrade's yeah, she, manager. Said, I, I don't want to hurt you too bad because you're my wife's client and she's i don't even she hasn't been on tv because not on dynamite in the hospital she and yeah, never on dynamite never on dynamite she's been on collision a few times recently she had a, a scary which, infection which was yeah, so, yeah she was in the hospital okay. but man I, I, look again miro and lana slash cj this has been a, a favorite pairing of mine. I thought this combination when they first came to the wwe was a phenomenal gimmick his run over here has been just average at best, and because he's another one has done absolutely nothing, and and, and for whatever not reason, added anything to this. And I've I've heard that, I, you know, in this in AEW, he definitely tells them like a lot of the time he doesn't want to lose and stuff like that. I don't know if that's true. I have no idea, right? These are just things that we hear. But as a fan, I'm wondering like, okay, Kenny Omega's hurt, and that's why he wasn't. Why wasn't Hangman Page? Why wasn't Miro? Why aren't these guys in the tournament? Where where were where was Miro in this tournament? Well, he, they don't want to have him lose a couple times. Why isn't Hangman Page in this tournament? Why isn't So you just set him off to the side? You know, like you those, know, those are Hangman's two guys. Hangman's not even on this card, is he? No, Hangman's nowhere. Um not around at all. Uh we didn't see Hangman any, nothing from him last week. We didn't see anything no. from the Bucks either, right? No. Nothing from them with the Weird well, stuff yeah, yeah. that happened a with little uh, drama going on with Matt Jackson's wife getting There's like off. Yeah. One of the because she was um in charge of memorabilia like merch, right? I think yeah. she was so so yeah. far recently with AEW, we've had like three people that were pretty important backstage, one that dealt with merchandise, another couple that were more like on the executive side that are gone. Yeah. And that wasn't even counting that QT Marshall, too, is also sure. gone at the end of the year. They have a lot of changes. Backstage, um, so Moxley Kingston, we're gonna have it as the final. We got uh, Swerve Keith Lee, we got Miro 
Andrade, which again, like Swerve Keith Man, Lee. I would have loved to have that build Andrade and Miro. I know. That's a pretty fun match. Well, it's like, give me some of these are two guys that people know from WWE too. Give me some of this on a dynamite at all. But the problem is with the way the tournament is, and this is a, another one of my issues with them, the scheduling, right? They did this tournament. The day they re- they they didn't even tell us who the uh, participants were until the day of, and I actually gave them credit because I thought it was a fun way to announce it in the morning. But I thought like, oh, cool, there was a bunch of people buzzing about it, and but they just did it all so late. Why don't you got to do this a few weeks before announce the participants, get people excited, they could fill out a fantasy bracket. You know, that's the kind of things people do for the G one. You could put a little contest in at AEW.com, have people fill out a little bracket, like. Give out I don't, stuff like that. I don't know. I, I'm thinking like that way. And it just felt like this was a rushed idea that they had last minute. Oh, crap. Brian Danielson's going to be retiring or something. Let's do this real quick. And we can, you know, find a way to do it. And a lot of it match wise was very solid. But I, I wonder. I guess a few of those guys will be in that battle royal because the only name that came out of this with a match on this pay-per-view is is Swerve, right? Yeah. Because you on this show, you've got. Miro Andrade, Swerve Keith Lee, the tag match between Starks, Big Bill, the Don Callis family, Ugh. and versus Jericho, Guevara, Stark, Darby Sting. That whole thing. The sex gods are back. They're so back. we're going to talk about that right now. Like that whole thing and the other three matches I just mentioned all just got built days before the pay-per-view. And all of them felt like the most rushed, shoved thing just so we could get them on the show. I mean, honestly, so yeah, we're not. I'm not stupid. Like, you would have been better off just telling me, like, we're gonna have a random grudge match, or like these guys are gonna be wrestling for like a number one contenders match for one of the random titles. The way that they would shove in the stupid, like, try to manufacture a story. I, I'm, I'm dumbfounded by this this Don Callis family angle here with. <laughs> With Jer- oh, <laughs> They're okay, celebrating so- Boxing Day, which half the people watching have no idea what that's about. And it wasn't None. even Boxing Day anymore. He's talking about Boxing no! Week. No! It's Boxing right. Week, right? Boxing Day was a couple <laughs> days. And so Don Callis hasn't been around for a few weeks. He comes out with the Don Callis family. He's got Kyle Fletcher, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Takeshita with him. He's got the different uh, paintings in the background. He starts talking for a little while. Then Sammy Guevara comes out. We all forget that Sammy Guevara was actually associated with the Don Callis family at some point. Then they do the stupid setup where it's like Don's got the picture of Sammy and his baby. Sammy gets mad that this baby was on the picture for some reason. Sammy starts going after the Callis family. Jericho comes out to save Sammy, even though the last time we saw them, Sammy turned on Jericho. Sammy has gone back and forth babyface 50 times in his AEW. It, this was so forced, so manufactured. And then all of a sudden, you know, remember Jericho was supposed to be in the angle with Kenny Omega and he got hurt. So they had to like insert someone else. They end up trying to put Sammy there. It makes no sense why Jericho would save him. It makes no sense why Jericho would come back out here again. They just did this stuff with the Don Callis family. It's like he's came come right back to it. And then, even though that was enough, they got Starks and Big Bill come out. <laughs> and then Darby and Sting come out and make the save. Huh? I what? I think it makes sense because it does Wh- Why? 
And and then just because so like I'm I'm looking at all these guys in the ring, Takeshita's not even in the match. Like he's <laughs> why isn't he around? Like he's not even there. Maybe it's just so man, many eight, things eight, that eight. Are look six 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 man tags are a lot, but eight man are even worse. Why why couldn't you have just tried to start building this up? I know Kenny Omega thing happened a few weeks ago, right? But Don Callis family was nowhere. This thing came in and got shoehorned so quickly, and now we got a match at the pay per view. Like, really? I, that I don't probably know. is. We're just trying to get Sting, and I, I, I again, eight man tags do absolutely nothing for me. It was fun back in the day when you would have the Road Warriors of Legion of Doom team up with somebody else for a main event against Four Hills or whatever it was, but this just made no sense. And poor Sammy. That guy's been thrown around. I'll tell you this. You know, a lot of people talk about how big of a superstar MJF would be if he ever signed or left with AEW and signed with WWE. I tell you this much. Maybe they never would. But one guy that I think could really be a megastar, an LA Knight type, is Ricky Starks. Me too. Completely agree. I just think this guy is, they they haven't known, they just, I, I don't know. But that, that's my take. I don't like eight-man tags. I, I, I never have in this, you know, okay. This has got to be, what, at the beginning of the card? I don't know. It's Sting, so maybe it's at, towards the end. Shout out there. Selling Just a lot of tickets it. for that Sting uh, final show, which I think a lot of people want to sure, go to sure, in Greensboro, sure. right? But, yeah, yeah. I, I just – I don't know why you – like you said, you've got Sting. you got a limited amount Man, of time with him. You him couldn't around. just yeah. build anything, like a couple things better for him? Like this couldn't be a little bit better of a story built? Yeah, what would you? What do you do with Sting? I mean, it, it's obvious the guy's not working singles matches. You know, I would have tried which, to give okay. him a tag team. I would have tried to give him a a a run for the. I don't know, like a run, but like him and, yeah, like have him face yeah. off with titles, battle for the tag team titles. Yeah, if it, he's gonna be in a tag team, you got to put him in big, the like in a big elevated match or against other big stars that like just guys that come up and say, hey, look. We want to have a match with you before you're out. You know, like it should yeah. be guys like that. Give me like we're the Young Bucks against Sting and Darby. Yeah, we don't even have the we like, don't have any the tag titles even on the card or the triple or the the trios titles or trios. Or, yeah. or Orange Cassidy. But oh yeah, right. That's why they put him on TV and defended his title. Uh, he he's just he 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 does his job. He's just such a a good wrestler and a good worker. I just. Every week he's defending that title. It just, I, I think it minimalizes it a little bit for me. I'd like it to be a little bit more special, but hey, Gino, there is room for the TBS championship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we'll get to. Why would you have, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure why. We haven't seen anything from Julia Hart or Abaddon on. Dynamite until just the the recent the little. Oh, you had Abaddon what on Saturday a couple of weeks ago, and you have uh, Thunder Rosa returns and helps her out. I think they made a point that uh that Chris Statlander hadn't lost in what was it nineteen months. They were talking about that. Uh, (laughs) She loses, and then then she then we ever lose. So we're gonna have Julia Hart versus Abaddon, Uh, Timeless Tony Storm versus Riho. Just feels like this is kind of like a build. Contender match for Tony, who's got the more over gimmick right now, and it feels like they're building to something with her and Mariah. That's the that's the long term story, and you know what we're yeah, critical yeah. on a lot of things, but 
I think the Tony character and stuff has been good, and if and it feels yeah, like but they, yeah, because her first her initial run was not right. No, it was she not. Wasn't booked a whole lot. Tony um, and Ruby. This is fantastic. And and Soraya, none of them initially like their runs were have been all that great. This this second sort of character change now for Tony has been good, and fantastic. you feel like with Mariah, they've got a long term. Whether or not it plays out great, you can sense the story they're telling. And I like that they've got something they're going. Yeah, and I think to. she, I think she works next Wednesday night. Yeah, they've announced her for a match. Yeah, she's what well, she said. Uh, she didn't want to. She didn't want to wrestle this year. She wanted to wait till next year. So it was going to be a better <laughs> year. No, 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 no. So <laughs> that was good. But uh, no, look, home run, home run for Tony Storm. Home so run. this timeless gimmick's good. You know what? And I, I'm a lot of fans, and even people that were very high on AEW early have been more critical. And you and I have always been a little bit more critical because. We wanted a true alternative. We want them to be best, and we're going to be critical of WWE and NXT when they do the same exact things. We're very consistent about the stuff we like in our wrestling, and other people like different things. But for me, um, this version of Tony right now, I mean, MJF, Swerve, Orange Cassidy, like those are some of the best things. Like when the acclaim yes. was over earlier, those are like the best hits that AEW has had. And I think they've made some stars. Like they, I didn't. Swerve was not treated like this in WWE at all. No, absolutely that was, they, not. No. They, there's a lot of people, right? For for every like, how many times were there? No, they let him go, and they brought up Hit Row, right? Yeah, and they, you know, think about like when Cesaro or Keith Lee or Miro or any of them left, even Tony right off the bat, everybody said WWE missed on them. AEW is going to do so much better job with them. <laughs> and for the most part, none of that was true. Now none, with Tony, yeah. they are. But with Swerve, that was 100% true. 100% true. Oh, yeah. Soon, yes. They got yes. Swerve, and they've, it took a little bit. But right now, they've, they, you can sense they feel like he's a big star. And I do think that whether or not I, I thought like they needed to do the triple threat like that, they're protecting him. They didn't want him to lose sure. again. That's a good thing. They like this guy. So It is. It is. It is. Let's get to our final two matches. Oh, man. Christian Cage versus Adam Copeland. We're already going to have this match for a second time, and I'm not nearly as excited about this as I should be. No, I didn't, I didn't, like, I didn't, like, the, I didn't like the build this past last night, Wednesday night on Dynamite. I didn't like the segment. I just didn't. You just have these two guys with so much history, and you this, this did not need to have Nick Wayne and his mom and a bunch of other people involved <laughs> in the storyline. This is Edge and Christian or Copeland – and Jay and these guys who have this long history, we all know them. We all know they have a history. If you want to have them be friends, enemies, whatever, you don't need all these random other people to help build this match. It it cheapens it, honestly. It makes me care less about it because all the other figures become less believable about why – like. Why they would be so emotional about Edge or Crit. Like, these two guys have enough there. And, again, they've tried to lean on these guys now on Collision, I think, with Copeland ever since Punk left. And, unfortunately, like, Edge has always been... I don't even. I can't even want to say this, but like he's to me what they would say about Daniel Bryan. Like he's a B plus player, man. Like that's him. Like yeah. he, and and not even yeah. in like in in the most positive sense. Like Edge's checks all the boxes. He's really good. He's just not necessarily a massive star. Definitely not like a, a CM Punk, right? No, nowhere like no, that. No, no, no. 
So no, he doesn't and, and, move the needle as much from like a rating standpoint. No, and you bring up a good point building him and trying to replace Punk with Copeland. And I think they're just giddy about putting this TNT championship on him. He, he's going to win this title on Saturday, I would assume. He's got to. He's got to. Otherwise, I mean, it's a no DQ match. So are they going to do stupid stuff where it's just again? But I, like, we just There's had no a bad this guy ending. Loses. Yeah. I don't, I just don't I think don't, you can do that again. I don't know what this TNT, yeah, I don't know what this TNT championship does for him, but it, it gets some validity of him being the star on Saturday nights on Collision. Or the guy, we, you know. We get to MJF versus Samoa Joe. The devil. The devil. <laughs> Man, this, I'll start and say, I'll give a little benefit of the doubt here and say that maybe this was a storyline planned with Adam Cole. and Or maybe it still is. And maybe Adam Cole's injury had to change the timing of this the way they were going to do it. But wow. I mean, you make Samoa Joe, first off, like pretend and do all this weird stuff, which is not like Samoa Joe. He's just a badass. Which was bad. Which was which was just bad. He comes out and just beats you. He's not selling or faking injuries and doing that stuff. He's not that type of a, a character. He's just a badass. One. Two, you've got MJF, who comes out to have a match for the tag team championships for the Ring of Honor tag team titles with like no, literally, it's like no time left in the show. He comes out and I'm texting you like, there's no way this is going to be an actual match. There's no time. Like, you think we're stupid? And you have your world champ, your AEW world champ, who never loses. Like, never. This guy doesn't get pinned at all. He does a job on TV a few days before his title match. To two people we don't even know. We don't even know who it is. (laughs) They can't even get anything off of beating the guy or pinning him. There's nothing to pin off of. How many guys on that roster could get a bump off of pinning MJF? They have two random guys dressed in black. The the way that they produced this segment, they look like their guy. They look like you and I did this in our high school wrestling show. (laughs) Like that's what the costumes and stuff look like here. There's uh, then they're so bad. Samoa Joe is working with the devil, and the the announcers don't even really know how to play this because it's like Samoa Joe's the devil. No, he's working with the devil. He's working right? like they're like so. We're led to believe now he's not even the devil. There's going to be another devil at some point. Uh, this I don't know anybody who's defending the storyline. I don't. I haven't heard no, defended. No, I. You know, and somebody brought up a point, but you had to get the Ring of Honor tag team titles off of MJF slash Adam Cole, but you didn't have to do it this way. He loses on Saturday night if he's hurt and he's going to be out, and you're giving the AEW World Championship to Samoa Joe. Then he just you just drop you just drop the Ring of Honor tag titles. No one cares about those. I, I I'm. I'm I'm sorry, they don't. No, they don't. They There's don't. no buzz when they do these Ring of Honor, Bound for Glory, Honor by Fire, or whatever these little pay-per-views are. Just take them off of him, or he drops, or you just post on social media that, hey, MJF's out, tag team titles are up for grabs, we're having a tournament. Watch on Rampage and Collision, because that's how you're getting them. I just, this was not, you don't do this to your champion the week of the pay-per-view. <laughs> I can't I don't forget care. that eight, that, and or... Joe 
Joe relinquished the one Ring of Honor title and then was helping MJF defend right? the Ring of Honor tag titles. It wasn't making any. It, oh man! And you know, making, you know when they they turn to that camera angle from the corner and MJF's looking and there's Joe with the chair. I just it's went, like, oh my god, they're doing the oh, Seth Rollins. The Seth Rollins pull back yeah. with the chair, and it's like, yeah, it. If you follow along this story to like why Joe was doing this, this didn't make any sense. Like Joe had plenty of opportunities along the way where he could have softened that up before. And then, okay, so here's the thing: he wanted to keep him okay, like somewhat okay and close to the match. But then, like, so that's that's the thing. You fed us a line of crap that he was defending this guy so he would be healthy for this match on Saturday. So that's telling me. That Samoa Joe can't beat MJF. And, That's what you're telling me. And Joe thinks that. And then two, what if he hurt him in this spot? You know, you're, you're supposed to do that the day of. Because then Joe, MJF will do the, no, no, I'm going to defend it anyways. You know, I'm like he'll right, try to right. do the baby face thing. And then he loses. And then you have the get out. Like, now, you did this a few days in advance. If he's banged up, he shouldn't be cleared. You know, plain and simple. So that was stupid in kayfabe on Joe's part. If I'm just like, why would you do it then, Joe? You waited this whole time and you then you do it four days before and a guy gets hurt. You should have waited all the way to the day of and then let him know or one of the devil people come out and they help you beat him. If, if The way they did all of this doesn't make any sense at all. Not only was it not like logical, but when I'm watching the the Marvel movies, you, I'm thinking about, does it make sense? Does it look good? Like, is it well acted and well done? Like, those are different, all completely different things that, like, you could have the actors doing a great job, but the graphics look terrible. Or, like, the costumes look terrible. Or, you know, it could be, like, just different factors. None of this was good. None of it. No. Even the guys doing it didn't look like they were 100% like in it anymore because I'm sure there were a couple tweaks be- because of injuries, whatever. It doesn't matter where we get to. Nobody's going to care anymore at, at this point. If it was supposed to what be Adam Cole. Match do you think, uh, what type of match do you think these two are going to have Saturday night? I, it's, it's a bummer because they should have just had a good match again like they did before, and I care less about it now. And I do think Joe's supposed to win this match now. He's got to. Yeah, 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 for sure. He's got to. For sure. And you have MJF, I guess, out for a little bit. But if he's actually out for a little while, I don't know how great that's going to be for their, like, TV because he's the biggest star they've had. And two, you've built all these guys for MJF. Swerve, uh, you built Hangman Page, whoever's the devil, right? Like, isn't that MJF's actual, like, story going to be with whoever the devil is? So then if MJF wins this match, adios Joe. I mean, get you can't have Joe come back again after losing twice like this to MJF, like a banged up MJF when he's got all the help of the devil and all these other guys. Yeah, I don't know. I could MJF come out with like the help of the acclaimed and some other people, maybe some, maybe, but I, I thought this was really it's bad. Definitely the main, right? It's definitely this the was, main event. This was people were talking about like uh, retribution. Oh, this was worse because WWE dropped that. You know what I mean? Like, they realized sure. not long after that that wasn't, like, a main event storyline angle anymore. And they just kind of dropped it. And we don't, as fans, we would be like, how come they just drop things? But it was good when they do. When they realize things aren't good, they just drop it. 
AEW still feels like this is like a main event story and they got to go through with it. And I mean, if you have MJF lose and then he's just not the champion, but he's facing the devil, like who is second or third down the card? Is that relevant? I don't know, man. I didn't, I, I thought this has been a bad story. Aces and eights was way better than this stuff. I like that in TNA. Like I'm thinking about these types of things. Like there was good at Aces and the Eights at the beginning, and then it got <laughs> yeah, it was. And then it, it was like every faction, everyone was in Aces and Eights. Oh, West, that, that was, was it Wes and uh, what was Bischoff's son, Garrett Bischoff? Garrett you know, Bischoff, and, yeah, yeah. It, it was just I, I, I've said it, but that's been one of my favorite angles. That was that was so good and intriguing because Bully Ray. I'm not the biggest fan of him, but he he was good, was so good. He was he over, was right so there. good in that. Yeah, yeah, and this has just been I, again. Whether it's I, I think we've ruled out that this it's probably Tony Khan, but. Um, who maybe it was for CM Punk and this was the thing to try to entice him to resign or, and it fell apart. It's just the longer we've gone with this, the, the more likely it's going to be a massive letdown. I know. And if it's not Adam Cole, then it's, it's the only one that makes probably, sense if it's Cole and Britt and then yeah. we can understand. And, and let's say just cause it makes sense. Doesn't mean it's good, but that's the only one that makes sense. Otherwise, you bring, come on, Jack Perry is going to not go over well. If it's, even if it's someone like Ziggler or that, like that's better than Jack Perry, but like people, people will do the ooh, but why? Like why, why was that anyone else? The only person that would make sense would be Cole setting up the guy who he was pretending to be his friend. That That's at sure. least a story. Let's go to WWE now as we shift on over uh, Monday Night Raw, January the 1st. WWE day one We're gonna have Natty And Tegan versus Shayna And Zoe and what's pretty cool Man between these two teams You've got Chelsea And Piper shout out to Chelsea Who wrestled at Madison Square Garden Over the weekend that's a cool bucket list For everyone to check off You've got the uh, Chance and Carter The new women's tag team champs They're starting to build Up Oscar and Kyrie again as a legitimate tag team, and I think we're gonna get uh, the witches coming back again soon. Hey, w- w- would you be shocked if Shayna and Zoe won these titles? No, no, not at all. I think that's what they're gonna do. I think they're gonna set them up. I think to win. I think I think they win these titles on uh, on Monday night. Well, no, this this really match do. is Natty and Tegan, right? I think this is like oh, another Natty one and contenders yeah. match. Oh, yes, yeah, that because yeah. I think so for sure. I think they're going Shane to and Zoe have to go over on, yes. They're going over I completely but I agree with you Like they're going over here and I then they they're going to be the team Like and yes, I love 100%. I love that we've got like four or five Women's tag teams now It's like I would have thought that Chelsea Green Was like the catalyst uh, To get the women's tag division back It was supposed to be the original was supposed to be Her and Carmella And then her okay. and Sonya And then her and Sonya Carmella's hurt Sonia had her knee just it, it's and it's just like they didn't uh they didn't freak out and overreact and immediately take the titles because vintage WWE Gino if in a tag championship somebody gets hurt on that team they immediately give up those titles and we have a tournament and that poor person who was one half of the tag team champions has no shot at getting those belts back they didn't panic and they, they just – who would have thought Chelsea and Piper Niven were, would be the ones that turned this – not Sasha Banks, 
uh, not Trinity. Who would have thought it would have been these two? I don't care if you don't like them. That's fine. It was you a have perfect to give spot. them credit for it, it was. It and they, was. And they, she was so good at her character work that they deserve these tag titles. And uh, it was now you've got interest back in these in, in these in this division. You've got some really good tag. And I'm glad you brought up the witches being back because you just said they've been around and they haven't been used much. But now there's a purpose. That's because I think all these ladies can be in the Royal Rumble too, the women's side of it. And it again, that that's gonna be fun. But this division Kudos to Chelsea and Piper for, uh, for for finishing it after Chelsea went through uh, basically, you know, two partners. And, and look at this. Uh, they didn't take the titles off of her. And look at the show. Uh, there's four matches right now uh, that are booked for Raw Day 1. Three of them are women's matches. You know, it just shows you the strength that they have because they've got the Rhea versus Ivy, which – it does seem quick to me. I don't think they've done, I will say, I don't think they've done a great enough job building up Ivy yet, but I do think she's got a little bit of a mystique to her in her few, yes, like... She's had that look. Yeah, like the way that she's just stood up to Rhea, she's looked like someone who thinks she belongs. Now we'll see when they put them in the ring together, but man, Rhea, man, I just like watched the clips of her on social media and you and me will send each other stuff back and forth, pictures that we see of her out with Dominic and like funny stuff. And she is so over and she gets it right now what her job is just as a pro wrestler. I mean, the way she interacts with the fans, the the clip of her when she was, uh, Dominic was facing Punk at Madison Square Garden, <laughs> and she's like cheating in the match, and the ref comes over, and then she runs to the crowd, and she's like interacting with these girls sitting front row, and they're like taking her pictures, and she's like, no, I didn't do anything. I'm over here having a photo shoot. It's like, <laughs> she's like, and Dude, she's, that would have never happened a year ago, or two years you, ago. You know that, right? Remember I hope everyone realizes how good it is now. Remember when she wasn't using her own voice? When she came right up, yeah. she had that awesome match. She loses to Charlotte. And I was the one that said, I don't think it's that big a deal that she loses right away. But when she was given promos, it was like, who is oh, this? She, so bad. They were like the Suffer and Suck Attach promos. They were yeah. the Roman Reigns Suffer and Suck Attach promos, you know? And now everything she says and does is Rhea Ripley, is mommy, is like, you just <laughs> sense it. You feel it and she's so sexy man like yeah remember last remember last christmas her and dom show up to ray's house and they get arrested and and they get arrested and and she's not she's like funny but and so she you know that she can be she will and she is really already but when they want her to be a baby face she'll be able to be a baby face with this character now and just be herself but she's like so hot in a different look, too. You know, she's just not the unique look of, of everyone. And if you go back and watch Rhea Ripley when she came up in the May Young Classic, she looked like like a Charlotte template. Tall, blonde. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, oh man, they're gonna they're gonna go with her. And then the next time you saw her, she looked completely different. And it took like a, a time or two of me seeing her to be like, oh. I did. And, and I and then I remember just immediately thinking that like second or third time, she knows exactly what she's doing. She she made herself unique. She could have looked just like the blonde girl 
like everyone, like a lot of other people do, but she made herself have this unique look. Man, I'm everybody is all in with Rhea Ripley. What do you what do you do with her with WrestleMania? Her and Becky? Yeah, I think that's probably where you're gonna go. And I don't think she loses. I don't think she loses. I think you have her win. Yeah. yeah. To me, the big match, and maybe, and maybe they go this way, is like the biggest one that I want to see, and the one that I think they may have beat her is Bianca at some point. Okay. Okay. And and that like her and Bianca, because Charlotte's hurt for a while. So um the one that is getting a lot of like buzz and the one that we can talk about uh in a minute too is uh for the rumble, because she was one of the first women that announced herself, and she may be at that point a baby face is Bailey. Um yeah. she's been getting like a lot of like buzz or kind of there's been like rumors that there's plans for Bailey. I don't know exactly. If that would be like a thing with EO, you know, if she wins and then she would end up being maybe turning and going after EO, but like a babyface Bailey would yeah, be kind you gotta of gotta be careful who you put with with Rhea too, right? Because you um, she's gonna overshadow that, all of them, right? And I think Bailey could be that person that I, I mean, because Rhea, whoever they they could put Becky in there. I know Becky's over. But Rhea is so on fire right now. She's, I don't know if the crowd who is would, getting cheered over her. I don't right, know about that's what anybody. I'm saying. And I, I think Bailey think, Bailey would be good. Bailey, I don't know if yeah. Bianca would. Me neither. Right right now, Bianca's a little bit cold. I don't not bad, but like she seems like one of those where I mean Bianca would get some cheers. I don't know if she'd get booed, but it would definitely be like a let's go Bianca, let's go Rhea. You know what yeah, I mean? Because like whoever takes this title off Rhea. And the fans are not happy. They're going to let you know it, especially live. Someone so who could be I, really like, if what I would when, love to when see Bailey down does there. turn, well, if she does turn, it'll be a massive pop. So that could be a very good direction to go. But you know, she'd have to come on this show, though, right? She's on SmackDown. Yeah, in my head, and I don't even know how we would get there. But months and months and months down the line, I want to heal Tiffany Stratton taking the title from oh, a babyface yeah. Rhea Ripley. That's what I want. Yeah. Like, because yeah, Bria be be ter- be, becomes the baby face, and then you've got Tiffany cheat to beat her, get a bunch of heat, heel, a uh, heel heat, and like you got Tiffany run with it for a little while, and that can lead back to like, remember the Tiffany Becky match? Oh yeah, that was awesome. You know what I mean? Like we could get with back Becky to some, hurt too. Yeah, we could that get match back was to good some and of those. Becky was hurt. Speaking yeah. of Becky, Becky versus Nia, which is like a grudge match, the third of our women's matches that is going to be on Raw, um, coming up next week. And they've done a really good job building with these two. And whether or not you are a fan of Nia Jax, she has had some issues with being unsafe in the ring and she's gotten some people hurt in the ring. That's going to happen. I'm not saying that's okay or excusing it. What I am saying is that in this run for her, since they brought her back, they've done a really good job building her. They've done a really good job making her feel important. People know her. She has a presence. She has a unique sort of look and feel to her. And she's and in the best shape of her life, too. And she, she even knew that. She said that when, when she when came she in. parted ways with WWE the first time. Yeah. Right? And she um, and she got into better shape. And she's not over the top where she's – sometimes the heel could be so obnoxious you don't even care to boo them. You know what no. I'm talking about? And I'm, she's more and being I'm just badass think, right now and evil kind yes, of like – because remember when she was obnoxious and trying to be this just – Character that just too much. I know they were, yeah, it was too much. This time she's stayed the course, and this build has been. You got to admit it's been really, really good. 
It has. It's been really good between her and Becky because Becky was kind of cold a little bit. You know, she and was. She left. The, she 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 was the mother. She came back. The run with uh, NXT really NXT helped champion. her. That helped her. Yeah, it did. You no, know, because we yeah, weren't sure what it was going to do, but the stuff with Trish went on too long. That just didn't go off as well as it could have. Oh, that was that was rough. That was no, rough it was it was involved. it was bad. There was, was a few like moments I, here and there, but it was not it was not great. You and know the, what's weird? You know what I thought, Gino? I thought the the person who got the most out of that was Zoe. Completely agree. Just because and look where Zoe is right now. She's, more eyes, more eyes, more eyes, and we know she can wrestle, but just more eyes, more eyes, more eyes. Okay, let's accept her now. And that and I gave, think that's what that was for. It sort of helped give Zoe a little bit of a character on the main roster. And confidence which, too. I think yeah, confidence too. Because she struggled with that on NXT, right? When she would talk, they always had a hard time finding out is she better as like a uh, baby face, really good wrestler, you know, like this is going to go out there and wrestle good matches or like a snarky heel, but she comes off kind of weird. And when she's, when she's cutting these like heelish promos, Who was she the tag team champion with, was it EO? EO. Yeah. Her and EO. Yeah. And EO was hurt. Right. And, and, and then she, Zoe got hurt and they just kept trying to do these segments that were just, they bad. did not. The they backstage were. segments missed all the time, but Zoe is very good in ring. And her she and does Shana have like are a, going to be better than than her and Ronda. I'm just telling you right now. Completely agree. Completely. Without, without, oh, Zoe's a million know, times I, better than Ronda. It's yeah, not even close. Yeah. It's this, this is, again, this this women's division is on Whoa. fire. Sheena's so Raw, underrated. And NXT. These yeah, could be a really time. good women's tag team. Those two, and then you've got R- Rollins versus Drew McIntyre for the World Heavyweight Championship. What's fun about this match too is like the CM we Punk cash in? part of it we, and the and ca- the cash in both. That's what I was just yeah. going to say. Both I think he the- comes out. I, I think Damian Priest comes out during this match. And then he has to Priest could throw a whole wrench into all the plans. Because here's the thing: I could see a world where you have CM Punk versus Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, and there's no title involved. I mean that match could 100%. be built with, without a title. It doesn't need a title. It sure could use the, the the title. Doesn't hurt it. But I could. Damian Priest could cash in. CM Punk could cost Seth Rollins. I don't think that would happen quite yet. Or Drew McIntyre. Just you know you, you have Drew win, and then Drew could be the guy you go with, and you could tell different stories with Drew and a guy like Sammy. Who's been out for a while? So do, you know what I mean? Like, or, so do they? Yeah. So they do they run this? Uh, of course, Priest is going to come out. He's going to give the briefcase to the ref, and the ref is going to say, "You sure? You sure?" You know, he waits. That you know, do you sure you want me to ring this bell? Do you sure you want to do this cash in? I don't know if Priest pulls it back or not, but do you think we run Rollins McIntyre back at the Rumble? I could see there being the a triple threat with Priest even in the mix. Okay, right? Or like, I I don't think Drew's completely out of it. I don't think they're the Punk's obviously in the Rumble. I, because I, if you have a singles match, right, you're not going to be in a you're not going to be in the rumble. I know that's likely. probably happened before. No, they have they've done it before, but not, they don't need to do that anymore. Like they've done it in years before when they no, were, they've got too many people. Yeah, yeah too many like top tier contenders to do something like that. So, so Seth's got to be on that Royal Rumble card. That's why I'm yeah, asking. He's not um, in the rumble though. I think you got. I think you go Seth. No, 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 no. Seth's got to be on that card and he's got to defend that title. I would assume he probably runs it back with at least McIntyre. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's at least McIntyre and maybe you get some insertion of uh, of Priest in the mix there too. So 
it's what we like when there's a lot of possibilities, a lot of variables that there could be with um I think the destination gonna be Seth and Punk at Mania. But and I I would even say Seth and Punk at Mania in a main event of one of the two nights, but I don't even think they would need the title. We'll see if they wanna they wanna go in that direction. That's a fun day one with a couple really strong women's matches on tap. How about NXT New Year's Evil Koopa Loop? I couple kind of mixed feelings here. I think Lyra's done a really good job. I don't feel quite like excited for the match against Blair though, and I don't know exactly what no, that I, is. I think it's not been a very good build. It has no. Let's call it for what it is. It just has it. The match it, hopefully will do better than the build. I, I'm more excited for the other women's match on the show. Yes, I was just uh, about to say I, Tiffany versus I Fallon. Think, I think, yeah, we got ranch hand or servant for a day. This I'm almost great. certain Fallon. I'm almost certain Fallon's got to go over here again. Me too. You the the I, Tiffany I, segments Tiffany's at the ranch okay hand. To lose these. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. We gotta see her shoveling milking poop. cows. Oh, for milk, sure. Shoveling poop. Shoveling the yeah. poop. Milking the cow. Getting, like, the, getting eggs from the chickens. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> Those segments. Oh, this, ha- oh yeah. this has to be. Yeah. This is so. This would so build her heelish character even more if she lost and had to do that. Oh my God, we we need these segments. I'm looking to forward to that. Me yeah. too. It is. I, it is. But, uh, now another. I'm not. I'm not looking forward to the Roxanne Perez Ariana Grace match. Nah, it's not. Something's, Roxanne I'm, I'm, and Braun missed here. We haven't seen Braun as much recently, but Roxanne, the way that her career has gone in NXT has been really bizarre. Um, Very. they they kind of like shoehorned uh, the title onto her real quick. Then they had her lose it, but they didn't really ever give her a chance to kind of fairly win it back, uh, or give her back her run. I do like. And then she was in the tournament and yeah. she lost. I like her. I, I think overall, right now, she's better than than when she came in. I I like that she's more confident on the mic, no doubt. She's like more feisty, more fiery. When I watch her matches. She feels really confident in ring and she's really good in ring. None of these feuds seem to matter though with her. Like none of them seem like they care. We just feel like we know that she's got to be coming up soon or it. I completely agree with you. I don't care about this. And they've had Cora Jade come in and feel like she's supposed to be a big deal. I think that's probably why we don't care as much about the Lyra Blair match because Cora's kind of felt like the one that they want to build towards. Right. So, which again, it, it, rightfully so. Another show though, where don't love the build that they have versus Roxanne and Ariana, but Roxanne's going to be good. I like the Ariana character. I think there's something yes, there with yes. this character, and I think she'll she could be really good. And this is Santino's daughter. Um, the Tiffany Fallon match is going to be really good. Fallon has really improved in ring, like really yes, gotten better. And I think they don't really have the. That gimmick on the main roster either, right? Like, like no. the cow, the cowgirl gimmick. There's not really anyone out, out right now who's who's kind of playing something like that. They could. There's a lot of stuff you could do with with this gimmick, like we've seen with her on NXT, and I could see them doing lots of segments, lots of vignettes, different things with her with the bar, um, and she would feel <laughs> like a little bit like a unique or different character on the main roster. I agree, wholeheartedly. So we've got this show where you've got. Three women's matches scheduled, which is awesome. Two on top of the one on Monday. Um, so shout out to them. We've got the men's breakout tournament finals: Obafemi versus Riley Osborne. 
Um, Riley is the guy from Chase U that they've got that story going with uh, <laughs> with, with Tia. So I mean, I'm gonna go with him because it seems like they've got more yeah, of a story too. there. Or they I could do. have him lose and Tia need to like console him, you know, after the loss. <laughs> and we could see her give him a kiss and like, oh my god, no, you know, something like that. But uh, <laughs> I, I like the Tia Hale stuff. I, I think. I think they've done a fun job with her, with JC. It's kind of been a good spot for JC to be in. And uh, Chase is rolling dice. Man, Chase U, they're rolling dice. They're all over the place. Uh, That's been a funny segment, too. I've had a blast with that one. Um, Looks like we're just going to get a a six-man tag. Dragon Lee, Joaquin Wilde, and Cruz Del Toro versus three members of the No Quarter Catch crew. Uh, So that's Gulak, Dempsey, Damon Kemp and Miles Bourne And we'll get a few of them in the mix uh, Just a, a you know, six man for the show Which will be awesome in ring Joaquin Wilde and Cruz Del Toro Were the Legada Del Fantasma and LWO And we saw on right. Smackdown Which we'll talk about in just a second Santos Escobar Now has Garza and Carrillo with him Because they came up to help him win a match And put him in the United States champion contenders finals for that tournament. Which, unfortunately, for these two guys, uh, Joaquin and Cruz, I like this new this new faction better with Santos than these two guys. I know. Just, I, well, they're they're more something... evil. They got more personality. The Santos and yes, or yes. Garza and Cruz. No, they're all good workers. Look, let's let's be let's let's be honest. They're all great workers. Well, this I'm was not, the former yeah, DJ Sema Ion, Joaquin Wild, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> it. But that'll be just very very solid entering match. And are we gonna get? Are we gonna get Trick Williams? Triple threat. Beating Dragonoff. What do you think? You know. Uh, didn't he try to talk, uh, or didn't Carmelo try to talk him into let's do a, a triple threat? Yeah. Uh, which I don't think they went with, but, no. um, man, I don't know. I don't know what they do here. I don't, I wouldn't be mad either way. I'm just trying to make, trying to figure out which one would make more sense if Carmelo and Trick are, you know, they're just, they all, all three of these guys could be on the main roster tomorrow. There's oh, a case for them all, right? So but it's I, just like, uh, you I know? feel like for them next year, or I think their wrestle, I feel like their WrestleMania program is trick Carmelo. But does Carmelo stay down there for the next few months, or is he doing like right. a little bit of double duty? You know, because we saw him already come up and have the good match against the NXT. He lost to yeah, KO, but he had a really good showing KO. in the match. It wasn't like a bad. Spot for him, I because I feel like you gotta have a couple of these guys. You're gonna have a couple right in the Royal Rumble. Who would you rather have in your NXT champion? Let's just say it's Dragonoff. Would you rather have him, Carmelo, or Trick, or all three in the Royal Rumble? There's gonna be a few spots for a couple of NXT, or you know, and then there's Braun Breaker. You gotta have somebody in this in, in the Royal Rumble, at least two, I would think now, especially with Triple H at the helm. So. Do, do Carmelo and Trick, does the title need to be in that uh, that storyline to be even better? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think Dragunov keeps this title here, but, I, man, it's intriguing what Carmelo and Trick have been able to do since we saw them in XT 2.0 because they were, they were floundering a lot, too. You know, do you we talk get, about people that's improved. Oh, my. The Ooh. first promo, that first promo, man, that one night, it was those two. 
they were bad. And we saw Mandy with the, you know, with uh, uh, with toxic yeah. uh, traction, and they were not great. Toxic attraction. And like, man, I will this say, is rough. This is rough to watch. <laughs> but they did a great job with Trick. Uh, Trick, man, he's got it. You know, and I don't know if it's this one, but they're gonna get to the Trick Carmelo match at some point, right? Like that's got to be it. They end where yes. they end the story, and then they hug, and then they can be buddies again. But yeah, I I'm with you. I don't know because in the back of my head, I still. Want to book Dragonoff as the guy to beat Gunther? Yeah. But I don't know if that's yeah, like somehow. gonna gonna translate on the main roster. I just don't know if like Dragonoff's gonna come up right away and be like this main roster star who they want to beat Gunther. It doesn't. Yeah, because look, WrestleMania season starts in January. The Royal Rumble that that is the season begins next week. Really, yep. when we get into January, we it's have start- the March, the road to WrestleMania. Yep. So. I, it's it's uh again, if trick if trick why... wins we got a shot for that happening if yes. trick wins there's a shot yes. for Dragonoff to be in the rumble to be up and to be a guy that goes after gunther and they could play this like gunther scared of him because this guy has actually beat gunther in the past they could have right. a whole story where they show clips of nxt uk and nxt when these guys have like have had these wars and and that would be something that we see gunther who's never scared actually show some fear of a guy that that would be kind of cool um but i don't know if like i don't know if they're gonna think that the main roster is gonna want to is gonna receive dragon off like that right away do they have another guy picked out let me ask you this well that's where i was going next could carmelo be the guy right absolutely could it be a guy like him could it be like a Sami Zayn? you know what i mean someone like that who they want to be Sami's back sammy sammy's back and yeah, he'll be back on TV here pretty soon. Does Sammy show up in this match with Seth? Screw over Drew. That's a good point because he's he's back from injury. Worked the big house show. Tag I match, didn't even think right, about that. That's a good point. And that's on night. Raw because Drew put him out for a while. Does he get involved? Yeah. And then I, do I, we I think get... that main event on Monday night is going to be insane. It's going to be a lot of false finishes. You're going to see Priest. I I wouldn't be surprised. You're right because that could see Punk and Zayn. Punk, Priest, Zane could all be factors in there. Could we get something like you throw, they end up throwing Sammy into a world title, like with Drew and Seth, you know what I mean, at the Rumble. You put him in the mix there and you have a trip with those guys there. You could even have a way I just for, think you got, I, I, at the end of the day, I do think Seth needs this title with CM I, Punk. I think so too. I think that's the best way to go. I don't think you need to do that, but I think that's the best way to go. No. I think the I, best way to go is... is I, it, it, because it's going to be the main event of night one. You know that. It should be. And Punk probably wins the Royal Rumble or wins the Elimination Chamber, one of those two. And then one of those goes, two, on, right? goes on to fight uh, fight Seth. Let's get to SmackDown New Year's Revolution, January the 5th, Coop. We've got uh, Butch and a partner against Pretty Deadly because uh, they're playing the, the uh, Ridge Holland. Went up to NXT. Injured Ilya in a match there in, in storyline, and now Butch is going to be needing a new partner, so he's going to look for someone against Pretty Deadly here. Um, the big match, though, gets? You, that's a good question. Let's see. Gets? Um, maybe like a Tyler Bates. Sheamus comes back. Oh, Tyler, I mean, Sheamus makes the most sense if they want to introduce someone, it would be like a Tyler Bate who was his buddy, maybe down on NXT. I could see them doing something like that. But but Sheamus would make the most sense here, and you go like a Sheamus and Butch, give them a little run and uh, a match for the tag team titles. That could be that could be fun. We got EO versus Meechin. So 
Meechin and Zelina have been elevated a little bit with the injury to Charlotte because they sort of needed a couple of ladies to step up and help oppose damage control. Damage control right now looks very strong where you've got EO Sky as the champ. You've got uh, Asuka and Kyrie, the Kabuki Warriors, who look like they're going to start focusing on the tag team titles. Bailey's talking about going uh, and winning the Royal Rumble. And uh, Dakota, I think, still recovering from injury. So they, they're they strong. They've been doing some vignettes here. This just seems like a match for EO to pick up a victory in you know a defense between now and the Rumble. Yeah, I think the match is, is going to be good, though. I, I do I think do they're going to give these ladies some time here, and I think it's going to be a really, really good match. I really do. I think that. We get the U.S. Championship Contender Tournament Finals. We just talked about Santos and how Gar- uh, Garza, Garza and Korea have come up to help him win. I feel KO like. over, right? Yeah, I feel like with KO, they've they've already teased a little interaction with him and Logan. And Logan. I think KO is another one of those guys where, like, you don't want to have you probably want to keep a couple of these guys out of the rumble because he, you don't want all of these guys in the rumble <laughs> with the crowd. Like one crowd would be behind a guy like KO, right? Crowd would be behind a guy like Sammy. You put them in there with LA Knight, with punk, with Cody, all of a sudden there's a lot of baby faces that the crowd would be sort of split on and, and, and cheering for different guys. It's not a, always a bad thing, but this Logan Paul KO with a buildup with those two guys on the mic, uh, man, the I think they could be just an absolute blast back and forth with uh, with these don't two. You, and don't you think? Don't you think KO wins that title at Wormble if he's with with Logan? I do. But Logan hasn't defended this title, and I and and I understand. There's a lot of people upset. I I, I like Logan Paul, not in a sense. Uh, I think he's a great human being. I do think he's a very good Pro WWE. Uh, pro wrestler, I really do. Um, his brothers, whatever. Um, but you know, it's uh, you've got a star in Logan Paul where everybody loves to hate. But again, at the same time, you got a guy that's not going to defend this title uh, monthly. It's just going to be on big pay per views. And I think, I think KO winning this title. But if not, do you do LA Knight Logan Paul? Do you do LA Knight Kevin Owens at WrestleMania? I don't know. We're going to find out in January. We're going to yeah. find out if Kevin o- Kevin Owens wins this match. Um, we're going to find out a lot uh, at the Royal Rumble about uh, WrestleMania because, again, it's the road. And that's when we get these long storyline builds that are so worth it and makes WrestleMania such a big weekend because of these long, great builds. And I think it starts here pretty soon. But I, I-, I don't know if you have Logan Paul lose it at Royal Rumble or not or – not lose it at all. They're in the Rumble match, as you said. So you got to have people in the Rumble. This is going to be a good match, though. Santos is good. Uh, KO. Oh, like, these guys will get you a really good, man. really good match. And as will the triple threat for the number one contender Woo. to face Roman Reigns at the Rumble. AJ Styles versus Randy Orton versus L.A. Knight. Yeah. What's so cool is like, yeah, you've got <laughs> uh, Nick Aldis as the GM. And he'll he's setting this match up, and he said, "What we're gonna have at the Royal Rumble? It's going to be AJ Styles versus Randy Orton versus L.A. Knight." And then the crowd just, yeah, you know, it's just so cool that <laughs> you announce this guy even after the last like month where he hasn't been as 
I don't want to say as featured, but Orton's back, Punk's back. There's big stories being told all over the place. Uh, he had his match with Roman, you know, a while ago. But man, you still throw his name out there, and the crowd still wants to. Yeah, even when they mention his name next to Randy Orton and uh, and AJ Styles, it does feel like this is the the Orton spot, though. But I I do like that they've set up stuff for the future with LA Knight with both of these guys. I could even see LA Knight versus Orton at Mania if that's something they don't have planned for Orton. Like I could see them having a one on one match. I could see these two guys being a tag team. Like they were, they got a weird little like, you know, LA Knight saved him a couple times and they were like giving each other like a little weird like, eh. there's there's something there that I, I like that they're playing on. And again, I don't think LA Knight's going to win this. I don't think he should. I think this probably is the spot for Orton to go on and face, uh, you know, Roman at the Royal Rumble. But I, I think LA Knight's in a good spot here. And I think he should be in the Rumble because the crowd should be cheering for him in the Rumble. That'll make that Rumble a blast. Put him in there at the Did end. Did you see with... him winning the Royal Rumble? I don't think so, but I it's not. No LA Knight great... to win the Rumble. Huh? I mean, I think he's a Final Four guy. I think he's a Final Four guy. If I were booking LA Knight right now for Rumble or for Mania, my, my top three would be Logan Paul, Gunther, and Orton. Okay. I think those are his possible... Okay. Matches and I think whomever he faces at WrestleMania this year, he's going over. You have to 100%. Yeah. So, the betting favorite, odds on favorite to win this match is Randy Orton. Yeah, makes sense. So, there's there's no way, there's no way AJ Styles wins this, right? I don't think so. I actually think he might be in it to lose to take the pin to get the and, pin and not have LA Knight have to get pinned here. Um, and Man, I love him. that turn that he did. Me too. I, I thought turn. it was great, that was and that's so what, good. dude. And he looks, he is in. Jack. He looks phenomenal. Just say it, Gino. He that's looks phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> he up He's got a puke. <laughs> that, I still, man, I gotta say, that rumble when he showed up. They don't want none. And then the the look on Roman Reigns' face, because AJ, I think, was number three that day. And I think Roman looked up like, huh? And AJ and Michael Cole, AJ Styles. It was, that was good, man. And he was one of those guys that, like some of the AEW wrestlers, we didn't know how, w, how Vince was going to treat a TNA lifer. And they've given him a lot of respect. So... Always curious because he's gotten some good runs in the WWE. This was the house that AJ Styles built on SmackDown. Yeah. So, <laughs> man, there's some good stuff set up on AEW, on Raw, Smack, so on good, NXT, man. and SmackDown for the next week or so. Coop, before I let you go, we only have two more weeks of the NFL left, and we're in the middle of like bullshit, craziness, and everything. There, do you have a thought on a football game in either the world of college or NFL that you have coming up this week? Yeah, I need to stay away from NBA. Uh, my Rockets got hammered last night, and I put down a nice uh, little chunk of change. On, so I'm staying away from NBA right now. Uh, no more Houston yeah, for look, a, a Houston, pre- we have a problem. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, we can't win back-to-back games on back-to-back nights. We we just can't. Um, we, we haven't learned to be that good. <clears throat> yeah, real quick, I've been uh, pretty good at football. NFL, Gino, uh, Detroit at Dallas. I know Detroit has a lot to play for. I, I was able to grab this line at four and a half, but I like the Cowboys here. I'm going to give the points. I think they're much better at home. I uh, won last week with, with, with Miami covering. I think Dallas needs this win. Again, they've been much better at home. 
5-0 and against the spread at home when they come off a loss. So I'm going to stick with the boys giving the four and a half. <clears throat> hey, look, I won with the Miami Dolphins. I, I like them this week at Baltimore. I know it's the south going up to the north. It's going to be cold. Dolphins getting three and a half. I grabbed them eight and one against the spread as an underdog immediately following a game where they were the favorite. I like that. And I love this stat. Got, that, how about uh, McDaniel's uh, F-bombing? <clears throat> F bomb. Oh, I love it. Isn't that, doesn't that guy, doesn't he need to be like in WWE? He's just got this like Harvey Whippleman, you know, I love pencil neck geek look. For some reason, this, this like this year, and I think you got the right spot. I honestly do. Cause I think it's like, I think it's a, it's a fade Baltimore spot because of how well everything went for them in that game. I I don't love Miami as a team overall this year, but I love McDaniel. No, 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 I don't either. I love McDaniel, so I'm always like so conflicted in their games because like I watch them and I think a lot of the time like I don't I don't think they're as good as like the the general narrative on them is. But then every time I see that guy and I watch him and I listen to him, I love the dude, man. He's funny. He's yeah. laughing. He's running and he's just sitting behind Marino and Marino was pissed. Did you see the look on his face? Yes. Hey, yes. F you, Marino. We're coming for your <laughs> records, Dad. We're taking all your records, Marino. I thought, man, that was the funny stuff. He was heckling. He was heckling the greatest Miami Dolphin of all time. I love that. You no, know, just heckling the guy. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not saying Miami wins the game. I think they can cover the three and a half. Bowl season. Uh, look, uh, I, I, I've been pretty good. I just won on a big bet this morning. Boston College. I didn't need the points. I didn't want the points, but I took the points. Outright winner over SMU. Look, tomorrow, I think Kentucky can cover here four and a half. I know Clemson's on fire, but I like Kentucky here. I think uh, Stoops turned down AM for a reason. I think Kentucky's going to come out and fight. Monday, January 1st, as Bono once said, Gino, with you too, on New Year's Day, ah, in my Creed voice, um, I, I, I like Wisconsin getting 10 and a half. Uh, in the Relia Quest Bowl with LSU, I, I, I just Brian Kelly one and seven against the spread as a bowl favorite of seven or more. I'll take that. Fiesta Bowl. Look, I know Oregon's loaded and they've you know they could be in one of the top four spots. Seventeen and a half against a team that kind of reminds me like the University of Houston was during the Tom Herman era, led by Greg Ward when they went to the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl and and beat Florida State. They probably are not going to win, but 17 and a half is the most points ever uh, in the Fiesta Bowl. And look, let's go to the Sugar Bowl. I, I, I bet against them multiple times this year, lost every time. Not only do I do I like Washington in the three and a half to four, it's even four and a half some spots getting the points. I don't need the points, and I'm not going to take the points here. I think Washington's an outright winner. I think it helps them being even more indoors. I saw Texas should have lost to my University of Houston Cougars, who had to fire their 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 awful head coach. Houston should have beat Texas this year. I'm not sold on Texas being back. I'm going Washington here straight up in the Sugar Bowl on New Year's Day. Coop a loop, my man. Happy New Year to you. Hope you had a very nice Christmas. You take care. Wish you the best of luck in all of your plays. It's been another fantastic year talking with you, man. And I thank you so much for all the uh, all the help. And I appreciate, man, you and I are always going back and forth, sending each other tweets and gifts and little things, news tidbits that we see throughout. And right now, Tony Khan's talking about how uh, his booking is doing great because 
it uh, the matches get uh, scored well on cage match. Um, so that's a, a good, that's one of the metrics that he uses. They asked him in the media call. He said, hey, cage match database has our matches. The star ratings are great. So the booking is great. That's that's all that matters for old for old TK. So uh <laughs> if it's not TK or Jericho throwing us, hey, I'll say this. I was especially after the first drive, I was super, super impressed with USC last night. Man. Super impressed. Me too. Because I thought they were gonna fold after it was seven to nothing and Louisville just it. goes boom, boom, boom. Then they just dominated. That that freshman quarterback is just I think they might have got a their star whole there. I think they might have flipped their whole pan. Man, plan. Look, it looked like look, Will Howard hey, was going to maybe transfer in. I don't know if he does now. I think you have a kid who's already dude, been in the system. you got to give this guy a look. Absolutely. Look, He's already this, been this, in the system. Look. And now you've got a defensive coach who came in. Uh, what was nice about them, they had eight freshmen last night playing. They had a lot of these guys that were third and fourth stringers that didn't really get a shot this year. So they were playing hard. They were disciplined. They were tackling. No joke. If USC's defense would have played – not, not even great this year. If they would have played just slightly below average and as well as they played last night, they would have lost like one or two games this year. That That's well. And, and I tell you what, I, I, I look, I know they're they're They weren't going to get rid of Lincoln Riley, but I think that game last night going into it was coin. It was pro, could, could have been like, this is going to be the deciding factor. Dude, I completely agree. Of this USC. Was, and this I, is huge. and that's why I bet, that's why I didn't bet a lot, but I thought this was, this was bigger. Th- this was, this game was for Lincoln Riley and to show, hey, we're not Louisville. done. We got love. We got no, more. There's no. a reason why I'm a good and line. They, I can and they could have folded. It was seven to nothing in like four or five plays. Against they a good defense. folded. Against a, a good Louisville defense. solid. And they had most of their guys back. On, and defensively, the only threat. guys they had That's opting out, I think, were on offense, right? So, like, that was a tough spot. Yeah, and I was, I was, super, I was Man. super impressed. But I thought this was the game that was going to define his. His are are you gonna are you gonna tell me you're gonna? You're, I don't care if we don't have Caleb Williams or not. We just took you away from Oklahoma and given you the biggest coaching contract that we could ever come up with. You don't lose in California in a bowl game in a Holiday Bowl. To Louisville, I don't care if they're ranked number one, 15, or 20. And they showed after that first drive, USC football. And I'm not a USC, I'm not a, I'm not a Pac-12 fan. But last night, I bet on the sole fact that USC had to win this game, uh, that Lincoln Riley had to win this football game. Not only win, they dominated that after that first drive. They just that was it was pure domination. Such a season and such a season and vibe changing win for the entire program, man. For a year that was really disappointing, you were supposed to be so much better, um, and now you're in this bowl game. You feel like you're going to get beat up. You were without a lot of your key players. You win, you dominate on a national stage against a good defense, yeah. and now the energy and the vibe is like all this momentum going into the offseason, great for recruiting, all sorts of good stuff. Make sure to give Chad a follow at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. Chad's here with us each and every week talking wrestling, talking football. Chad does a great job with his uh, photography, pictures, uh, photos all over the place, big shows. He's hanging out with arms wide open. <laughs> Keep loop, my man. Have a fantastic weekend coming up. Love you, brother. Talk to you again real soon. Happy New Year, Gino. Folks, don't go anywhere. Still a lot more to come on this episode of That's What G Said. Stay tuned. 
And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Appreciate you all tuning in for another one, folks. We had a crazy schedule over the last couple weeks with the holidays, but we'll be back to normal next week where we'll have our weekly football previews of everything going on just one more week and then we'll get into the playoffs and uh, we'll have Chad Cooper talking everything going on in the world of wrestling. Barry and I will always talk racing and uh, I'll be covering Santa Anita now every racing day as they move forward throughout the meet. So lots going on and we'll be here with you each and every week. Good luck this weekend. Happy New Year. Hopefully you all have a fantastic one with your family and we'll talk to you again next year on That's What G Said. Yeah.